Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday. I'm glad. It's March 1st. We are here live. It is a Friday free-for-all. Joel and Henry will be here with me. We'll also talk about technology and efficiency. The phone lines are open right now, so start dialing 855-950-3835. We'll get to those calls here in just a little bit. It looks like uh, we've got Joel calling in already, so I'm going to grab him before we, uh, we don't need to screen that. Joel, good morning. Good morning, Kevin. I was just going to listen along. Ah, I saw you there How hide, are you? hiding out in the queue. I thought I'd bring you in. Uh, not a problem. Yeah. Awesome. So, so where are you today? I'm at home, actually. Oh, good. I am getting ready to head to the show down in uh, New Orleans. And um, it's going to be the first uh, public viewing, I guess, of the new VNL. And I'm going to be down there. I'll take a whole lot of pictures and good. some videos and be down there for a press conference and uh, quite a few things going on, actually. Good. Hey, speaking of which, I did not realize International was already ready to deliver trucks with that new driveline, but I see they're, they've got them out to a couple fleets already. Yeah, they, they, uh, they've been working diligently over there to get that thing out. Um, I know they had approached my brother about uh, doing a demo, and um, it's supposed to be available here shortly. Um may actually go down on a tour of their their engine factory and and check things out so that'll be interesting i want to learn a little bit more about that engine i haven't been able to really kind of identify the you know the rod arrangement to see the the board to stroke ratio and and all that that type of stuff so maybe i'll be able to learn more down at the show i'll definitely wander over and and talk to them and and uh see what I can learn about the the new S13. Yeah, you know, it it would be great if this turns out to be a really good architecture. They're saying it's the most fuel efficient driveline they've ever built. And it, that all sounds good. It'd be wonderful if that gives us another option. But I saw something interesting in the article too. That platform is the last internal combustion engine international is going to work on. Well, uh, that's their everybody claim. Everybody was saying that. Yeah, but we, we, <laughs> yeah, that seems was saying that. I, really I, early I feeling to be making that kind yeah. of a claim. I, yeah, you I, know I got what? A f- feeling that that will be changed in a little bit. I I almost could have seen that being announced two or three years ago, when all the hype about electric and you know was going to take over and but. Now we're looking at this electric and saying, hey, you know what? This probably isn't going to work right now, except in some really specific circumstances. So for International to say we're done with internal combustion engines seems a little premature to me. I I think the genesis of this, obviously, International is bought by essentially Volkswagen, and remember, Volkswagen had all the issues right. with the diesels and the cars over here, and they had made that same announcement on the car side of things several years ago. So I, I think this is kind of one of the things they throw out there. Um, we'll see if it actually comes yeah. to fruition. I would kind of doubt that they're going to be able to do that, at least not in the American market. Uh, the European market where average distances are much shorter and they're probably going to deploy uh, – 
uh, charging stations uh, a little more rapidly than what we are over here. It may be viable over there, but I don't see it happening. We're going to have either. diesel for quite a while here. Yeah. You know? uh, the other thing I would assume that I would assume this engine is already ready for the, what is it, 27 or 28 emissions? Uh, yeah, I would make that same assumption. Yeah, I, I'm I would, sure. Yeah, you know, it's, a, it's a clean sheet design. I'm sure they had all that the, the entire global emissions picture in mind when they yeah. when they done this engine. I would suspect this thing is really, really going to be a, a, a formidable engine when it comes to fuel efficiency. Um, the folks at Scania, they they have their they're pooping a group and they understand diesel engines as well as anybody. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I, I would just be shocked if this thing does not turn out to be one of the better engines on the market, which would be wonderful. I, I, I would love to see yeah, another I, option. Yes. Yeah, a- absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it forces everybody to, to raise their game a little bit. And I think this is a, 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 a dang good thing to see happen. I, I Obviously, I'm a Volvo guy, but uh, I'm not afraid of competition. I like to see it, and uh, I think this is going to be a, a, a great uh, ad for, for international, no doubt about it. You know, early on in, in my career when I was still in Ohio, there was a couple years there where I didn't buy anything but internationals. I had a good local dealer. I was buying them all used, but I had a, a good local dealer there that had a used lot for international, and I bought a lot of them and liked them. They're, they, well, that was a long time ago. They were good, solid trucks, nothing flashy, nothing yeah. fancy. And, and back then, we're talking about when you can put virtually any engine, any transmission, any differentials you wanted, um, and I bought a lot of internationals and had really good luck with them. I liked them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had... Um we had uh, about 25 uh, 9200s back in the, must have been right at the end of the 80s, going into the early 90s. That's about the same um, time frame for me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, very, very solid truck at that time. Um, you know, kind of like the, the FLD in a way. Right. You just didn't exactly. have problems with them. Yep. They ran forever, easy to work on. In fact, they were probably a little bit better in terms of, of cab quality and, and whatnot than the FLD was, but very comparable. I mean, they, they had a they had a really good product at that time. There was no doubt. Not flashy, like you said. It wasn't going to be a centerfold. Right. It would do the job day in and day out for sure. And they were, on the used market, they were very well-priced. They were bargains. Yeah, exactly. Hey, you know what just happened here? What's that? I'm not pitching for Volvo. Can you believe that, Mr. Volvo Bias? (laughs) (laughs) How about that? I got to watch what I'm doing here. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh, oh good stuff. So what's on but your no, mind? I got, was, a, it, I got a it, whole bunch of weird stuff I want to talk about today, but what's on your mind? Gotcha. Um, oh, Jesus. Well, the show's coming up, and obviously we're getting ready for, uh, we're getting ready for Matt's. Uh, I don't want to get out ahead of this, but I will let you know that uh, we have had some very, very interesting and productive talks with Michelin. I would expect that I'm going to have a, a pretty major announcement uh, to make in the, eh, probably in the next week or so, hopefully, Excellent. if everything keeps going down the track that it's going on. Um, I, I got to tell you, and you know this, I was pretty hard on the Michelin folks there for quite right. a while, and right. to their 
to their great uh, credit, you know, they uh, decided to have some discussions and, and uh, you know, things have been on a very positive trajectory for the last, I guess, year and a half, two years, um, as far as my dealings with Michelin go. So um, this will be a, a, a nice announcement if everything comes to fruition. You know, um, uh, uh, let me... Uh, I'll tell you, I had a very close relationship with Michelin for a lot of years, and they are a great company Mm -hmm. to work with. I I loved everything about it. I mean, just very innovative, very open to sharing information. They gave me access to their test tracks. You know, if you are told me where all their their winter test track up in Michigan, their proving grounds in South Mm -hmm. Carolina, said, anytime you're there, just let us know. And I went in and spent a couple days there. The the only reason I don't have a relationship anymore, and I've talked about this, working with big corporations is difficult and people get moved. And and at one time, almost everybody we worked with in the marketing department left marketing and went somewhere else in the company and we had no real personal relationships left and it was at a time where honestly we're still in that mode i I don't have a lot of time to build some of those relationships we're just a little pickier about who we partner with but everything about that experience with michelin was positive yeah yeah, it, it's been very, very good as of late. Uh, they've got some really good people in key positions right now. They, uh, they're they really looking to understand the, the, the grassroots market a little bit better. Obviously, Michelin has a stellar reputation. And, you know, they can go elephant hunting and, and you know, knock down the major OEMs and get tires on at that level. Um, I, I think they're looking to, to push a little bit back into the grassroots market um, at the owner-operator level. And um, I, I think this is going to be good for, for everybody involved. We'll get to see hopefully some new products coming out of them soon. Um, I know they just had an announcement on a new steer tire that uh, they're saying <clears throat> it's a million-mile casing. Wow. Um, so that's going to be interesting to yeah. see what happens. You know, for, for a few years, um, several years back, um, it seems like all the tire manufacturers kind of caught up with each other. Even the the the, the second tier brands, kind of everybody was right on par with each other. And I, I think it was a little frustrating for the you know the Bridgestones and the Michelins of the world because everybody was kind of there in this big group and um, everybody caught up with everybody in terms of technology. And it, it looks like Michelin is really done their homework and they're really stepping out in front again and it, it's good to see because traditionally yeah. when we think of michelin we think of okay these guys are light years ahead of everybody else and everybody's playing catch up and uh i, I think they're back out in that, that position again good yeah that's exciting what else mm-hmm. you got for sure um i had a couple discussions with leroy over at pittsburgh power um we're just chit-chatting about torque curves and and um i think i had told you i was trying to get a hold of all the measurements for the for the connecting rods so we can he can yeah. do the the yeah. bore to stroke ratio and calculate the 
calculate the uh, thrust loading on the pistons and whatnot. So he's got that information accurate. So we've been Excellent. exchanging information back and forth. And I, I think that probably just helps everybody. Um, and that's probably a good thing across the board as well. You know, when, when you start working with him, you're going to realize pretty quickly, um, you know, he, he's an electrical engineer. Um, didn't really have any kind of a trucking background. What Bruce did over there, I think, was just brilliant. I'm surprised more shops didn't do it. As things started to become more and more electronic and computerized and and talking about trucks, um, Bruce did not take his, you know, old experienced gearhead mechanics and try to send them back to school to become electrical engineers. He went and found, I mean, he, and he's in a good place. Pittsburgh is a pretty high tech. I mean, that at one point, that was mm-hmm. almost like the yep. center of all the autonomous was happening in Pittsburgh. Hylion was in Pittsburgh. Right. A lot of technology there in the schools. AI is pretty big there. Um, so Bruce, you know, being right there in the center of all that would interview, you know, young, really good electrical engineers and find the guys who were gearheads. You know, maybe they grew mm-hmm. up with motorcycles or, you know, go-karts or racing something or whatever. Uh, and, and that's Leroy. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when I got, I spent almost a month there for a while and I was parked mm-hmm. in the engineering department. So I spent a lot of time with those guys and I was shocked. I mean, at the end of the day, I was always working on the coach. That was the trip where everything went wrong. And a lot of nights, Leroy would hang out and help me. He's really a gearhead. I mean, he knows what he's doing around mm-hmm. engines and mechanics. Oh, there, and, there's no doubt. Yeah. 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 We had a brief discussion on the phone and I could pick that up in five yeah. minutes. This, this dude's got a shit together. There, there's no, no doubt about that. So yeah. I, I am, I have complete confidence in his abilities. There is no doubt. Yeah. And he's not afraid to get out there and get dirty and turn wrenches. Oh, that's a good thing. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. So um, that's exciting too. A lot of good stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. I should have my six by four up here and well, I can't give an exact time. There's a couple updates that they were doing to it before it, uh, before it comes up here and getting floor time down at Volvo and their shop because they've, they've got the new trucks, you know, coming out and they're getting everything prepped for shows and whatnot. But as soon as they get a minute to run it in the shop and do all the updates and just double check all the programming and make sure it's ready to go, I'll have the, I torque six by four up here. Um, this one's going to be a four and a quarter to start out with. We may bump it up to the four fifty five, um, but we wanted to stick as close to a fleet spec as possible, um, so we can do some benchmarking in terms of fuel efficiency before we we bump the number or bump the horsepower up on that. Yeah, so good. that'll be interesting. Uh, Purple haze two is still slated to come out sometime early fall i haven't heard any changes on that and i'm going to be working very closely with michelin on a tire package for this that may be a little mind-blowing to some people it'll be interesting when when that thing hits the road yeah so a lot of cool stuff happening that's for sure hey speaking of which i know you're probably going to be slammed at mats this year will you have any time like thursday morning but really before the show even opens. The CMC is all day Wednesday, and then we come back again Thursday morning for several hours until the 
show opens. Do, do you have any time Thursday morning? I, I, I'll make time. Okay. I'll make time. What do you got going on? So kind of what I'm doing with the CMC is th- there's a lot of other people that will be a part of the program going forward. And it's all the people we already work with, Pittsburgh Power, you know, MD Alignment, you guys. Sure. So I think what I'm going to do, um, I, I will probably do all day Wednesday myself. And then I think Thursday morning, we're really going to focus on the, the partnerships we've created that could help people, you know, get their first truck, become a carrier. So I'd like to have like you just come up and talk about what you do at Alpha Drivers. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about specifically. Sure. But if you've got a little time, I think I'm going to take most of Thursday morning and, and go through our partners. And, you know, these are the people we work with. And here's why kind of thing. Sure. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a problem. I'll double check the schedule, but I, I, I'm, I'll make it happen. We'll, we'll okay. make it happen Good. one way or another. Good. All right. Um, awesome. Let's see what. I, like I said, I've, I've just got some weird stuff today. Oh, there's Alec. Let's bring him in. Alec, good morning. Hey, good morning, Kevin. How are you? Good. I grabbed you out of the queue there. We're not waiting for anybody to be screened these days. We're just dragging them in here. <laughs> <laughs> What, what, taking no prisoners. That's right. What's on your mind this morning? Well, you know, I'm still mired in numbers. Uh, I don't know if anybody else is in the same thing, but in tax season, just kind of conjures up images of profit and loss statement. Yes. And um, I'm trying to find, uh, I don't know if I, I care to admit this on the air, but since it's just the three of us, Right. Um, I've been using ELDs, and I love the telematics when they work properly. Uh, but I've been doing my accounting on an Excel spreadsheet, and, and I know Excel really, really well, and I can develop my own things. And but it, what I'm looking for is something that's integrated, so um, you know, a complete truck management system that can handle our growing fleet, telematic, accounting, of course. Uh, and, and putting it all together. So fine-tuning our internal systems so that we can continue to grow with our own trucks and possibly adding owner-operators uh, operating under our own authority and or additional company drivers. So Awesome. Uh, we've been busy in the, in the background. We've been kind of busy and, you know, trying to come up with systems that will, as I put it, Work for me rather than me working for the system. Is that it, currently um, where we are now? As you're working through that, if you have you need some help or you know we we've got a whole programming team here. They usually don't have any time because we've got them slammed with projects all the time. But let us know because we'd be interested in in uh, maybe helping out with some of that if it works. Well, and I think there's, you know, even with, like, Motive, have a fantastic ELD. They've got some great telematics. But, you know, you'd think that with some smart engineers like that, that they might be able to spell gap and, um, you know, put together a, a comprehensive program. I mean, ELD and, and hours of service compliance, as you know, is but a small piece of the overall puzzle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right. So anyway, uh, I, I realize that owner-operators, solo guys, you know, their P&L consists of what's ever left. Exactly, um, right. And that's, you know, that that's fine for a one-trick pony, but it's not 
for a small fleet or Correct. a fleet that's growing. And yep. I've, I've, you know, chatted with a couple of friends. Uh, Blair doesn't mind me throwing them out there. But, uh, you know, seeing what they have, and I'm like, you know, they're, they're not using an integrated system either. They're using multiple systems, which is what I'm doing. And to me, that seems laborious. But anyway, tax season kind of brings that up where I want so, things to be kind of seamless. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's talk more about that. Now, speaking of tax season, that brings up one of my topics for today because we are in tax season. We still have a handful of clients that we do full bookkeeping for. We've been moving out of that business for a couple of years because it's just it's labor intensive. It's a lot of work, and hiring people the last couple of years has just been too difficult. So, this is our last year of even handling the clients we have when we close out their tax this year they you know they need to find somebody else for the accounting side of things uh they can still use our software we're still providing the software so we're just in that mode where we're we're doing people's tax work right now and i have to to be down at the office yesterday and they had a pile of like difficult questions you know those weird tax things that come up and they wanted me to go through them so are you guys ready for what would probably sound like the biggest truck driver story you've ever heard if i if i okay. wouldn't have yeah, had if i wouldn't have had access to these documents to see that this was real i mean i have access to all the paperwork i i can promise you this is real but if i wouldn't have seen the paperwork i would have called somebody an effing liar <laughs> well, we're used to that, yeah. aren't we, Joel? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah the case, so, I guess. <laughs> so they hand me this file, and the first thing on top is the 1099. And the 1099 amount is $709,000. So my first question was, so I don't have to dig through everything, how many trucks does this guy have? One. I said, <laughs> What? And, and okay. I said, are you sure? And they said, yep, positive. One truck, he drives it. I said, is it a team? Nope. One truck, one driver. I said, oh, so he must be brokering freight, too. No, this is just the revenue from the truck. And I thought, that's not even possible. What? How did... So now I'm totally confused. Now I start looking at some of the expenses, and the expenses are crazy high, too. Now, I looked at mileage, 127,000 miles. Not, nothing crazy. It's fairly normal for one truck, one driver. A little on the high side compared to the average, but not much. So the expenses on 127,000 miles should be fairly normal, even though the revenue's this high. Except it wasn't. Insurance was like $62,000 for one truck. I thought, well, it's double. that's really, yeah. really high. Uh, maintenance cost was a nine a mile. And I thought, well, nothing about this is making sense. So I tear into the maintenance. Well, you had an in-frame, a bunch of other things, uh, just a lot of maintenance put into this truck in one year. So that was just bizarre that that number was so high. Fuel cost was almost 80 cents a mile. So I, I, I'm looking at this and I'm like, I don't even know how to make heads or tails of any of this. So I, I got to call this guy. I'm, 
So I call him and I said, you got to tell me about your operation. <laughs> and he said, you and I talked a while back about this. Don't you remember? And I said, no, refresh my memory. And he said, well, it was back in 18 and 19. And he said, we made about half this back then. But even half of that was still a big number. And, and it wasn't making sense. So I do remember calling this guy and talking about his operation. I said, yeah, I remember that. And those were crazy numbers, but not like this. And he said, this is what happened when COVID hit. So here's the deal. It's a medical equipment company, not medical supplies, medical equipment mm-hmm. of some kind. And mm. it, was, it went from the East Coast to the West Coast and back. The, the, the only place this truck goes is two facilities and stuff goes in one direction, it goes in the other direction. So this is all he does. The, I'm even going to forget some of these numbers because they were too big, but it was $709,000 gross, $480,000 net on 127,000 wow. miles. I said, nice. I, obviously, That's even better than Matt. I've never, I, I looked at it and I thought <laughs> you have got to be, my first thought was, who is this shipper, and do they realize they could get this freight moved for about a quarter of that price? And I'm not even talking about going with some cheap mega carrier. You could get all kinds of companies to pull this freight for a quarter of that. Why would a company do oh, this? You know what? We would we haul cheap freight. We would do it even less than that. Yeah. So, so I said, this seems so bizarre. Why would this company pay this kind of rate to you? And he said, Now get this. Now I can absolutely verify the numbers. I'm looking at the official documents, receipts, all of that. These numbers are real. This part I can't verify, but I don't see why the guy would have any reason to lie to me. He's a really sharp guy. He said, there's 80 of us that do this. Wow. Holy shit. Yeah, that's what I said. So here, here, here's what I think happened. I think when COVID hit that we know there was COVID money everywhere. And I have a feeling this medical company was getting all kinds of COVID money. And, and they're not anymore. So that I, I, it's the only way I could think of a company justifying paying that kind of rate when you wouldn't have to. It's just they were just so flooded with government money, they didn't care. I mean, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Now, here's the sad part. CRST just came in and took the whole contract. Uh, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> how oh, how wow. could somebody not go in there and take that once somebody found out about right. it? My God, yeah, that, that, it, it almost sounds like the government's given them money, and they were in one of those positions where, it, well, if you don't spend it all, we can't give you any more. Right. I, I'll you know bet what I mean? that's what and, it was. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So they were probably looking for places to to spend that money. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, well, good for him. I exactly. mean, he's got to he could. you got to be happy for the guy, for sure. There's yeah. no doubt. Yeah. That's he, pretty, pretty awesome. He had three and a half years of this. Wow. wow. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Pretty crazy stuff. A um, couple other things I've got on my list. Um, AI. I haven't talked about AI in a while. 
for a while I was talking about it all the time. I, I realized people got tired of it and I still follow it. Uh, I posted this morning, if I were king, AI would just disappear forever. This may be one of the worst technologies I've ever heard of, honestly. I, I, um, I, I don't know where we're going to go with this, but it does not look good. So it turns out Google had a huge problem with AI this past week. We found out that Google's AI is completely 100% racist against white people. <laughs> I saw that. Isn't that crazy? I, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, it, it was like, it was horrible. They were, yeah. It is so bad. It is so blatantly obvious. Here's the thing we have to remember about AI. I try to keep people focused on, on what this really is. AI is just a big generic term. You can build versions of AI, and all kinds of companies are doing it. Amazon, OpenAI, I, I could go on and on and on. Grok, which is um, Elon Musk's AI that, that's being built into X now, he calls it Grok. The way to think about each version of AI is just think of it as a person. Because that's really what this is. The, these are models that are supposed to think like people but just like people we all have different experiences in life that leads us to our opinions right that that's sure. that's how ai works mm -hmm. they they have to train ai well the way you train it think about it like a human being each one is going to have its own weird quirky personality we we you know, I know we probably have this vision of AI just being like uh, like Spock, you know, no logic or not no logic, but no emotion, just everything logical and correct. But that's absolutely not how AI works. AI is more like a person. It's going to be quirky and it's going to have weird beliefs. And and it turns out Google's is just an absolute mess. Um, there are already people now suing Google over this. Uh, if you go to Google, one of the uh, one of the people we had on our health show, um, Nina Teicholz is her name. She wrote a, a great book about like medical corruption and how we've got all this stuff wrong. Uh, if you she went to this AI system and asked about herself, tell me about me. And this thing claimed that she was making up stuff and that she was funded by the meat industry. And, and it had this whole story about her and none of it was right. Wow. And she was able to prove uh. it's wrong. She's suing him already for defamation. I mean, it is awful what this thing was saying about her. And, oh, it, wow. it, and it wasn't even correct. So it, it, it's just. It, it, it's really, I don't know where we're going to go with this. We're going to be talking about it for a long time. Now, like I said, I wish it could just disappear. But Elon Musk is working on his version. And one of the things he's training it to do right now, this is a, at least a good use of AI. You know how these, these crazy bills that they pass in government now, they're 10,000 pages and we hear stupid comments like, well, we have to pass it to know what's in it. Because they're so big, nobody's reading uh -huh. these things, and they just pile everything in there. His AI is going to read and analyze these giant government bills and tell us what's really in them. 
that's at least a, a good use of the technology because right now we have no idea yeah. what's in them. Yeah. The people voting on them don't even know what's in them because they're so big and and uh, convoluted. So I thought that was a good idea. One other thing um, coming out of X. So yesterday I was um, I was just in X doing some things and I saw a trucking space and I dropped in for a second and then I realized I should be working instead and I got back out. But right after I got out, my phone rang and I looked down at the screen and I'm like, what the hell is that? Like it was an incoming call, but all the information that showed up on my screen, like normally you just see a phone number or if they're in your contacts list, their face might come up or whatever. This was a whole bunch of weird information. And I realized who it was. So I answered it. Um, it turned out it was TJ. And he was calling me through X. X now has a feature for audio and video calls, and it does not use the phone system at all. So instead of his phone number coming across, what came across was his X profile. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this is now a feature on X. You can make an audio or video call to somebody that is not using your phone at all. It's just using internet technology. It's the same technology we're building our broadcast app on. We, you know, when our app comes out, you won't dial a phone number to get into the show. You'll just touch a button on the app and it's not using a phone line. So you start to think about that. At that point, why do we need AT&T and Verizon? Why do yeah, I need a? Yeah, well, here again, competition's a good thing, right? Yeah. So with this coming out, you know, your cell phone bill's going to drop. <laughs> I can guarantee that. Yeah. Because they're going to want to remain competitive or try to stay in the marketplace. So this will this will be good for everybody. And then think about the other thing that Elon just did last week, which I still have not figured out how he's doing this. He made a post last week, and he said this post went straight from my standard phone. Well, I, I don't know if an iPhone or what it was. doesn't matter. But it's a, a phone you could buy off the shelf. It wasn't a phone he built. He's, and the post went straight from the phone to the satellite with no equipment in between. Oh. That's crazy. That is interesting. Yeah. And he said this technology will work on like 90% of the phones that exist right now. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty wild. What, what, what? Yeah, it is. He, he's got something in mind with all this. Not sure what it is, but something's <laughs> up. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, that is, that is interesting. Call satellite direct with no other equipment involved right off your standard phone. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean that we've had cool. yeah. we've had Hello, satellite, satellite phones for a while, and they are outrageously yeah. expensive. Satellite phones are, and the the time to use them is even way more expensive. They're they're not practical except for people who really really need to stay in communication. Then they're traveling all over the world or something. It's the only reason that you would need a satellite phone, but. It, it's sounding like he's going to turn all of our phones into a satellite phone and, and no phone hmm. plan needed. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, that is. That'll be pretty cool. Yeah. Be all interesting, right. I, interesting to see how this develops. Yes, I agree. So I'll keep an eye on that. That's all I've got today. So uh, 
If we don't have anything else, we'll go to the phones. What do we think? Absolutely. Take some calls. All right. Let's do that. Let's go to Las Vegas. Ron, welcome. Hey, Kev. How are you doing today? Good. What's on your mind? My Corvette. I can't get it off my mind. Okay. I, uh, hey, I got to tell you, yesterday when I was on hold, a kid walked through the parking lot, was looking at my bed, pulled pulled his I his smartphone out and took a picture of it. <laughs> what year is it? I, I, that was priceless. That's worth it. I, I that was worth a hundred thousand bucks I paid for the car. What uh, what year is so, it? So <laughs> a twenty twenty three. Oh, okay. I bought it at 4,000 miles on it, and I bought it because it had a, a, a saddle leather interior. I didn't care what the outside color was because uh, I'm going to get my brothers to to wrap it for my 70th birthday. How oh, fun. There you they're go. Thinking, they're, they're thinking about it. <laughs> but I... So anyway, hey, you know what you could do with that artificial intelligence? What's that? Google is Google a Chinatown band guys driving his back to uh, Louisville, Mass. Hey, hey, speaking okay. speaking of that, I've had one request so far for you to show up somewhere with me and play your ukulele. Oh, hey, I'll be there. All right. I'm, I'm bringing my Willie K. I'm bringing my Willie K. Ukulele made in a ho- handmade <laughs> uh, in Hawaii, the most expensive instrument I ever bought. It cost me a thousand bucks. Oh, all right. For ukulele, it's beautiful. Yeah, what? yeah. I'll, I'll have it. All right, we'll look forward uh, to it. And you know what? This is what I'm doing down here. Okay, I did this. Yeah, I do everything that I'm talking about is within walking distance of my house. So I bought the car over there at the uh, Ram dealer. Uh, I can't believe I was thinking about buying a Charger. And and I went down there because I wanted a bright, I wanted bright green. It's got to be bright green with white flames. Okay. So anyway, I'm looking at the Chargers. They got nice bright colors and Challengers. And uh, and then then I, I walked by the bed and I thought I'm gonna look. I gotta look at that before I go. And you know, as soon as I saw it, it I thought, what kind of dumbass would not buy a vet for his 70th birthday? <laughs> especially when it had the especially when it had the interior color that I wanted. There you go. But it was the, meant to be. The outside, hey, hey Kevin, the outside is that same uh, the same orange that's in your logo. Perfect. It's it's that orange, and it's got the uh, calipers that same orange. Nice. But I'm going to have it changed to. Uh, green and i'm gonna have the calipers white and i i'm gonna see if my i can get my brothers to buy me a new set of tires too before i go 
There you, you know, go. Those, those, uh, you wear out them tires pretty quick. But, yeah, you but can. I took it for a, I took it for a, uh, oh, and I, I, last night I took it out for the first time to go out in Vegas. And I went over and saw, because uh, I had tickets for months, Shin Young over to Smith Center at the uh, multimedia thing. It's uh, Chinese literature out, acted out in dance and music. It was really good. Oh, good. Got good. the smoke, got the smoke, everything. All right. But it, hey. it, it was really good. All right. Hey, so Ron, anyways. the calls are piling up. It's Friday. I'm going to try to get out of here somewhat early today. So we are going to move along. I will... Uh, Look forward to seeing you soon here at Louisville. Let's go to South Carolina. John, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. What's on your mind today? I am a new listener to you. Just uh, within the last week or so, found you and uh, really enjoyed the variety between driving and health and all of the above, um, but uh, my question is for fuel mileage, so I've got to scan okay. Hey, real, real quick, before uh, the, before we get to your question, I've got a question for you. Sure. How did you find us? Um, I registered for the CMC event at the MATS, so um, I had signed up for uh, register for MATS, and uh, so I got well, the uh, invite to, awesome. to, um, to come to the CMC. So, uh, so prior to, to the, your live event. Prior to signing up for the CMC, you had no idea we existed? Uh, say that again. I had no idea how, what? That we existed. That's how you found us. Yeah, basically. Oh, good. Good. All right. So what's your fuel mileage question? So uh, obviously trying to uh, maximize fuel mileage. So my question is geared toward climbing, especially uh, dry vans, 70 to 80,000 pounds. Um, with the scan gauge, I have it set up for uh, live MPG, average MPG, throttle position sensor, and boost. Perfect. And so I've been trying to uh, keep my TPS around the 50 mark. I, I have no idea exactly what I'm supposed to be doing, but that's kind of the direction that I was given. And um, so climbing, trying to maintain 50 on your throttle position sensor, Obviously, the speed uh, drops drastically, yeah, and even they, with those heavy loads, it's two to three per gallon. Um, and so I've like just played around with it, you know, just flooring it, and it only drops a half mile to a mile, you know, on the right. climb. So, do you have any tips or suggestions of how to improve the, that mileage yeah. on the climbs or, or yeah, a little pulling heavy loads? A, a little bit, and. We don't consider 70 to 80,000 pounds heavy. That's just normal. We're all licensed for that. We could all pull it at any time. Um, we consider heavy anything above 80. Um, so 70 to 80, okay. we don't do anything all that unusual uh, spec-wise or driving-wise. It's all about the same. Um, first off, what what truck, gear, engine, that kind of stuff? Give us some specs. It's a 17 Freightliner Cascadia with a DD. 15 and a dt12 transmission okay. so on that engine boost is not 
all that critical. It's not nearly as important as some of the older engines because there's a lot of other things going on. But in, in general, almost any truck or combination, we would approach hills the same way. And here's the other thing to remember. Um, I, I forget the percentage, but most trips, uh, it doesn't even matter what route you take. Um, most trips across the United States, east to west, Joel, you may know this, isn't it? You're only on grade like 7 or 8% of the time. Typically, that, that, that's correct. Um, de- depending on the area of the country that you're in, there's a little bit of variation in there. But, yeah, you're you're not on grade all that often. and the impact to your overall fuel efficiency is not as great as what most people think. Right. Um, so this is an interesting discussion for sure. Yeah. So, it, 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 you know, we're, we're fanatics about fuel economy here. So we will do lots of things to squeeze out another tenth or so. So I'm not saying don't pay attention to the hills. I'm just saying don't put too much emphasis on it because we don't spend that much time climbing anyway. But there are some strategies that can improve your fuel economy. One, you you absolutely turn the crews off. Unless we've got trucks now with smart crews, that's all going to change. So we always have to talk about that, too. But typically, you're going to get off the cruise, and you're going to drive this truck through the hills. We want to use the downhill side to our advantage. You know, keeping safety in mind. I don't want somebody free rolling at 110 miles an hour, but... Keeping safety in mind, we want to use that momentum we can gain on the downhill. We want to really be looking ahead and hit the bottom of that hill with as much speed as we can safely accumulate. And then, you're right, do not try to come up the hill at 50% throttle. It's just not going to work. Give it the power. That's what it's there for. Um shifting to keep yourself in the optimal range is one of the techniques and the scan gauge can help teach you that if you're watching it while you're doing this and then the idea is you don't go blasting over the top at full throttle you start to back off before the peak and kind of coast over the peak and then gain the momentum on the downside again and then you know get good shift timing and and that's how you kind of get through those rolling hills and and you can probably pick up about a half mile to the gallon by doing it right but again we're only talking about half the time most of the time we're not even talking about a mile so there's some, some so, certainly some fuel mileage we can gain there. Joel, go ahead. So, so what what uh, horsepower is your DD15? I'm not sure the horsepower or the rear end. Okay, well that's that's two critical things here. We need to know if you're direct drive or overdrive, what the horsepower is and what the rear axle ratio is because there's it'll change the way you're going to uh, kind of attack this hill. So. Uh, you know, I, I know Henry was running the, the DD-15 at 400 horsepower. Um, I think he was 1750, 2.16 direct drive. And direct drive kind of limits your ability to to do a whole lot on a pole. So at that point, with all the features that they built into that truck, just leave it on a cruise and let it go. 
Um, there's not going to be a whole lot that you're going to be able to do putting things in manual and trying to run it manually if that truck is equipped with all the latest and greatest smart cruise features. You'll have a hard time out driving the truck. Yeah. Now, if you're overdrive and you've got 505 horsepower, you know, understanding where that horsepower is made on the torque curve, essentially you're just going to get it into a gear where you're at the high side of the torque curve. I think that DD15, if it's a 505, makes it at around 1,600 RPM. So you're going to want to climb that hill at right around 1,600 RPM um, using the using the horsepower that's available in the engine to, to get up and over it. Um, if it doesn't have the smart cruise features, you know, you're, you're going to have to do some manual work on it. Um, the hope would be on a newer truck that it does have the smart cruise and you shouldn't even really have to think about this. Just let it go. They've done a very, very nice job at making this truck do what it's supposed to do in the hills uh, and when it's supposed to do it. So, uh, you know, without knowing all the details of the truck, it's really hard to to give you, you know, fine details on what you should be doing. So it is an Evolution model. I don't know if that gives you any more information. Well, Henry will be on, I think, in, in a little while, so... Uh, he would be the expert, obviously, at answering that question. I'm assuming the evolution, it's going to have the latest and the greatest on it. Uh, have you have you let it just stay in cruise and let it run up the hill and see what it does? Well, I, no, I have not done that. And uh, I was it was always my understanding that, you know, don't run cruise to well, get optimal that, fuel mileage. That, so. that, you're right. For that, years, that was, we, we said that, and it was true. Now it's not always true anymore just just like joel said it may be that you have no smart technology on cruise whatsoever and you do need to kind of drive it through the hills or this technology is out there there's trucks running this and it is good and getting better all the time so it it does matter uh, whether you have those features or not yeah it it absolutely does and 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 i'll tell you i'm a volvo guy but freightliner has really done a good job in fact me and henry were just talking about this last night um they've done a really good job with their logic and programming uh, with heavy weight and being that's an evolution i would suspect that you have the the full suite of cruise control and i'm thinking this truck's going to do just fine by leaving it in cruise and let it go up the hill and Joel, we 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 should we should say this too. We might as well just get this out there because you know let let the let the haters um, jump in on this one. But <laughs> there there is zero doubt. Once you understand this technology, we could find the best driver in the country that is, and it's probably Joel or Henry or Alec or somebody like that who has focused on fuel economy for years and years and years, knows how to drive a manual, really can squeeze out every drop of fuel mileage you can get, and these systems will beat the pants off of them once they're perfected. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. This is where computers shine. Agreed. This is, our brain and our foot cannot respond or even interpret data anywhere near fast enough to be able to do what these trucks will be able to do. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Is there a way to uh, define or determine? How do you determine if it has the smart drive cruise control? 
I, I'm not sure on, on the Freightliners. That's a question Henry what? will have to answer. And I know he's planning on being on, and he can answer that question probably yeah. a little bit later yeah. on in the show on, on how to determine that on a Freightliner. I, I could not tell you. One of the things you could try, okay. I'm, I'm not guaranteeing that it would work, but you could try just calling a Freightliner dealer with your VIN number and having them run. If you, yeah. if you got the right person, they would absolutely be able to tell you. The trick is, will you get the right person, or do you get somebody that just says, "Oh no, we we can't do that," or whatever? I, I don't want to don't want to speak for Henry, but I'm sure he would be happy to to walk you through it so yeah, you understand what you would. have. Uh, Henry's Henry's as good as anybody when it comes to the driver training part of it, and uh, uh, you know maybe you can have that discussion with with him. Uh, yeah. So yeah, he'll he'll be on and we'll see what he has to say. But uh, I, I'm. I'm real confident you probably have all these features on the truck. You just need to understand how to use them. Okay. So maybe I could try running a week on cruise and just compare week to week because I am using fuel gauges. So Good. Good. Yeah, yeah, I would. You got to go. You got to go a thirty day. Um, look at look at your prior thirty days, and of course the weather's okay. changing now. Right. So um, maybe give it maybe give it sixty days. Uh, how long have you been on fuel gauges? Uh, for the last. Uh, 90 days. Good, good. Okay, so yeah, you started right when the weather was a little bit colder right. going through the winter, so it's not going to be super accurate, but you'll get a good feel for it. Let it let it pull on with the crews on, and uh, you should get a, a gut feeling for what's happening, and then kind of watch the numbers, and, and then you can play with it, you know, as the weather starts to moderate, run it a little bit with, without, and, and uh, talk to Henry, Henry will walk you through it all, and, and uh, you should get a handle on this pretty quick. All right, cool. I appreciate it, guys. Hey, hey, John, here's what Absolutely. I'm going to do. I'm going to put you back in the queue, and we'll get your information from you, and um, that way we can make sure you and Henry can hook up. So, um, Morgan, if you could grab John's information so we can uh, make that happen, that would be awesome. Let's go to Louisiana. Ilya, welcome. Good morning, Kevin. How's it going? Good. What's on your mind today? Um, I had a question about the gears and the RPM for the Volvo. I have a 2020 uh, VNL with a 264 ratio. Uh, is it better to be, at, like, I'm somewhere around, like, the lower 60s as far as how fast I drive, uh, and that's also about where it switches between 11th and 12th gear. Is it better to be in 12th at lower RPM, or is it better to higher rpm this is one of those questions we can answer with our favorite answer it depends (laughs) well you're right it it, it does It, it, it all depends on power demand and if you're under a heavier load you're going to want to run it in direct if you're under a lighter load you want to run it in overdrive here's where kind of the confusion comes in with this so Everybody, or not everybody, but the majority of people are going to tell you running in direct drive is the most efficient. Well, it's the most efficient in the transmission. But when you look at the truck as a whole, you have to consider all the parasitic drag in the engine related to piston speed. So if power demand is high, you have to run a few more RPM in order to make horsepower. So you're going to have that parasitic drag anyway. So under a heavy load, it's fine to run in direct drive. You're probably better off in most instances. 
if you're under a light load, you're much better off in overdrive. Even though you lose a little bit of efficiency in the transmission, you more than make up for that by the reduced drag in the engine through piston speed. So that's that's how this works. You just have to understand what is the power demand. You're climbing a hill, you're 80,000 pounds running against the headwind. A lot of times you're going to be better off in direct. You know, you got your 60,000 pounds and you're kind of running downhill all day coming across Kansas out of Denver. You're better off in overdrive. Hey, hey, Joel. Okay. You know, I, I, I like yes, the sir. way you said power demand. Um, and, and you focus mm-hmm. primarily on weight there, but you know this as well. And, and where this really became apparent for me was when I was um, working with the company that builds the scan gauge for us. Um, they would write mm-hmm. a program and we were trying to make it more accurate. And, you know, there's lots of things we were trying to do to make this better for heavy trucks. So they would write the program, send it to me. I'd put it in the truck and then I would run around here just testing it out. So most of my miles were done through the gorge. Now, the gorge is mm-hmm. completely flat and level. We're, it's on the river. We're at sea level. Mm-hmm. So there's almost no elevation change in, in the whole area that I was testing. Now, there were times where I wanted to test it on elevation. So I would head out to, you know, somewhere where I could get some hills. But but a lot of times I didn't really need it. I was just looking at other things. But what I realized was there were two other big factors that kicked in for power demand. And I had both of them here in the gorge. One, we always have wind in one direction or another. It's either blowing east or it's blowing west. Mm-hmm. We're, we're in a gorge. It's like a wind tunnel. So that was a big factor. You know, I might be light, but with that wind, there was a much, much bigger power demand. But you know which one really shocked me? And and I could see it in the scan gauge when I was testing. The gorge is one of the few places in the country, like I said, it's at sea level. There's no elevation change. But we have have chain laws. You you can't go through the gorge in the wintertime without carrying chains. So rough road. So they right, they take that road surface and they really, really roughen it up for traction. But boy, could you feel the resistance when you were paying attention to it? The power demand went up sure. significantly when I hit that section of pavement. Yep. There's a difference between pavement and concrete, and there's also a difference between the aggregate they they make the 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 blacktop when they put right. blacktop down um, stuff in the that's in Florida where they have a lot of seashell pieces parts and stuff in it uh, that has a much higher rolling resistance than hey. the smooth limestone that they have up in the northern state so it, it all plays a part and speaking of the wind and how much power that takes I was just watching a video a railroading video where they're going over Cajon and they said the wind at times is so strong coming over that pass that it actually stalls the locomotives going up and over, and they have to send pushers to push oh, up wow. and over the wind. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that was something I That's would never, crazy. ever, ever have imagined that. But, yeah, they had, like, six engines up front, three in the middle, and three pushing. <laughs> wow. And, uh, of course, they're super long, and they said at times the wind will stall those trains out. So they've Can always got a, a couple on standby to, to push them up and over. That That's incredible. That is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's, it's actually kind of what's been happening with me this week. I was uh, last week, like I said, I was at the shop in North Carolina with Clint, and this week I was waiting to see like how the truck would perform with all the new stuff put on it. <clears throat> And then this week, I've been driving into the wind the entire week, and it's well, been like messing with all my numbers. Speaking of wind, did yep, anybody see? Well. Did anybody see the weather forecast for the Sierra Nevadas? Ten feet of snow. Ten feet of snow and a hundred and forty-five mile per hour winds is what they're calling for in the Sierra Nevadas. Wow! Yeah, you know, wow. I might not even chain up for that one. <laughs> I think I just sit that one out. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I've seen I, yeah. it hasn't even hit yet, but it, the weather's been getting worse. Go check out the tra- the traffic cams up on Donner. It is ugly. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. I can imagine. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then I can't right quick comment if you had a second about the truckstop.com thing like i was listening to some of the earlier shows this week yeah um i don't know if there's a way for you and uh brent to set this up but it would help a lot if there's like a way to filter out uh like the search results for loads or whatever especially for like if uh like with the new program for people setting up as new carriers if you could filter out the brokers that would work with newer authorities because there's like other than like TQL and CH Robinson, there's like close to none on there. Um, um, we, I mean, yeah, there are, we, but it's like nearly impossible to find. You know, th- that's that's a part of why we partner with companies like TruckStop because th- they are looking for that kind of feedback, and it's not always easy for them to get it and get good, honest feedback. And so, yeah, that's that's absolutely why we have this partnership, and that's the kind of stuff we can go work on. I mean, that, that's really, that would be a, um, a a really nice feature if they can do it. Because one of the things they need to do then is they need to go back to their broker customers and say, hey, do you want to display whether or not you work with new authority? But it's something that could be done, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I understand the broker might not want to, like, advertise, hey, like, I understand they might not be like, hey, we welcome all the new people. But at the same time, well, if... Like if tr- if truckstop.com wants to be more uh, easier to work with, like for yeah. newer authority people, yeah. then at the same time it's, it goes that way. Yeah, we are we are talking specifically about things like that. Um, truckstop.com doesn't really use this, but they have the ability now, and and we've talked a little bit about this to build private load boards within the load board. So there, there's some possibility going forward of being able, if you have an account, of being able to say, I don't want to see every single load and broker on the system. I want to build my own private network within the system. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's kind of exactly what I was thinking about. Maybe yeah. filter a few brokers or even one broker, that kind of thing. Because I know, like, some of the brokerages themselves, they use TruckStop as, like, a background, I guess, software for their own system. Yeah, right. Uh, so it's, like, kind of there, but... Yeah. No, that's a, that's the kind of feedback we'd love to get, and I can take that idea back to them and say, you know, let's put this on the list and see if we can make this happen. Yeah, because even, even, like, the companies 
a lot of the ones you guys talk about and some of the other ones I've seen that are recommended for newer authorities, they seem to, I guess, change their policies well, for, uh, like, with the economy and whatever. You no, know, it's, it's like not so much. No one works with that. It's not really the economy. This is not an issue of the broker saying, I just don't want to work with new authority. The brokers would would be much more likely it's everything else going on in the industry that they're worried about they're worried about nuclear verdicts Mm -hmm. they're worried about because ch robinson went through this ch robinson got hit with a multi-million dollar lawsuit because the truck they contracted with got in an accident come on the broker is so far removed from that kind of stuff i thought that was ridiculous to hold C.H. Robinson in any way responsible for that, but they did. So that freaks brokers out now that that happened. But then the other thing that has just exploded in the last 12 months is freight fraud. This is more about freight fraud than anything else. It's harder to determine if somebody with new authority is legitimate or not. And almost all freight fraud gets perpetuated by these companies or people that just start up new authority. So that's really why they're they're avoiding that new authority. It it has more to do with liability and freight fraud than anything else. Right. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Alex. I just wanted to throw that in there. All right. Yeah. Hey, Thanks Alex, for the call. Did did we have a did we have an issue with Schneider double checking everything because they're having issues with the well, yeah thing? So yeah, so at first I thought it was that they they caught Joel, you know, trying to manufacture some scheme. So the last two loads that we've booked with Schneider, uh, you know, they're calling me at the end of the business day and uh, and asking, hey, did you really book this load? Yes. So uh, I guess it's because it's steep freight and they think that someone is pulling the wool over their eyes. Um, it, and I told them, no, we're, we're perfectly happy to haul steep freight. We do it all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, that's what everybody tells us, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, but uh, so... Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because the other part of, of the fraud part is uh, I get calls and I've even been exchanging texts this morning with, you know, a guy and why everyone is all from the same region outside of this country is beyond me. But they these dispatchers, I think, are that's how this game is played. So um, I think that's how they're doing it. it it's through a potential or um, what's the term uh, well a, a someone masquerading as a dispatcher and then they they, they go get the load and, and things like that yeah they, um, this I, issue I think maybe dispatchers need authority too and then other well, you know that would boy you, I don't know. you're gonna open up a can of worms with the whole dispatch thing to yeah, me I know many of yeah. these dispatch services are acting like unlicensed brokers well, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I go back to the earlier question that you and I had about, well, wait a minute, what about authority? You know, that's the carryover from days, you know, our 10 days. It, now so, you're, now you're, re- I don't know hey, that I really Alec, want. Alec, it's Friday. Careful. Yeah. You are about to set me I off. Here. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, well, my, my um, point well, is, I don't know that I really want any more regulation to get into. To, to muck up the business to begin with. So I don't know what the solution is. 
but uh, I hate getting these three, four calls a day, you know, all telling me that they've been in the business for six years and they, they know how to do my job better. Yeah. No, they, um, almost, I think that's how the fraud is happening. Almost everything that is happening in this, the, the load boards, the brokers, everybody right now is scrambling because this freight fraud stuff just exploded in the last 12 months. So it probably because of the economy turning and um, what's happening in the freight market. And, but it is rampant and everybody is scrambling to try to, to try to fix it. And, and one of the issues is it's harder to identify if somebody with new authority is legitimate or not. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see a lot of this. Hey, Henry's here. Good morning, Henry. Good morning. How are you today? Good. Were your ears burning? I don't know, but I was thinking about what you were talking about with the snow. And my gosh, Joe, we better stay away from her. We won't make it through. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> now, Henry, we had a, a caller earlier and we needed your expertise. Oh, I got on at the time. I thought that they wanted us on, so. Yeah, yeah we. But no, my ears weren't burning. I okay. was enjoying a nice breakfast here in Springdale, Arkansas. Um, is there such a thing as a nice breakfast in Arkansas? I thought it was. <laughs> I had to spend a lot of time in Hope, Arkansas, which is where Bill Clinton is from, by the way. Uh when mm-hmm. I was when I was working with Fikes, Fikes was a really big account for me for a long time. They're gone now, but uh, it, I, I really love good food. And I've got to tell you, when I was down in that part of Arkansas, I thought I was going to starve. I, I just couldn't find any good food anywhere <laughs> down there. Oh. Yeah, you didn't go for the roadkill special. Yeah, that that was probably about the best thing on the menu. Yeah, that'll tell you what I was up against. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, does anybody remember I guess, that I guess it we had a guy who had a question about a, a freight liner and some technical stuff, and we, we grabbed his information so we can give it to you if you've got some time to call the guy. But right. does anybody remember the specs, like year and that kind of stuff? Well, uh, he has a, an evolution. I don't remember the year. It Eight, was a DD-15 18, with a DD-12. He didn't. Yeah, he doesn't remember horsepower or the gear ratio or or anything like that, and he's he's just wondering about how he should be driving through hills and whatnot. So, can he leave it on cruise? Did, oh. What are the odds that he's got any of the smart cruise features and that kind of stuff? He just didn't know. Right. Yeah, he would have been at the beginning of all that. It would have been a bit primitive, but it did pretty good already. Okay. Yeah, we we just weren't sure. All right. Um, Henry, anything on your mind today you want to start with, or should we just continue with calls? Well, to me, you know, the importance of knowing your truck, like what, what you were saying with that call. I'm here at Tyson Foods doing some driver training, and it's amazing to me, people that spend all day in a truck, what they don't know about their truck. And yeah. They end up fighting with it when they shouldn't be. And, Joel, I'm sure you run into the same thing. Mm-hmm. I know we had a conversation about it. With It's like, you got to spend all day in this truck. Know your truck. It, it's going to make – I mean, it's going to be more efficient if you know your truck, which is good for whoever you drive for. But even if that doesn't do any of that, it's going to be more enjoyable to drive versus fighting with it all day. Yeah, I agree. For sure. Yeah. 
For sure. All right. I think that's what this guy was kind of up against. Exactly. He he doesn't really understand his truck, and he's looking for some help, so he can understand his truck. Yeah, so what happened is he he stumbled across the show, he heard us talking about all this, and and now he's interested in in learning more. So um, he was one of those. He wasn't aware of everything on his truck. So um, the good news is he's aware now how important it is, and he's asking good questions. So we love helping people like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and one of, one of the cool things to do if you're in a Freightliner or a Western Star is to either get the uh, Freightliner Smart Source app on your phone or the Star Source app. And after you have that, you click on the menu and you click on training, then it has training by VIN number. And what's so nice about that, the training videos, you know, like when you look at the owner's manual, it's like the old ones that had every transmission you could have got in the truck, right? And right. if you do it this way, it's for that truck exactly the way it was ordered for that year, not the one down the street, not the one your buddy bought, the one you're in, and gives you a better understanding of the PC equipment that you're in exactly as it's ordered and set up, which will make you more efficient and enjoyable at the same time. There you go. All right. Uh, let's grab another call. Let's go to South Carolina this time. Paul, good morning. Howdy. What's on your mind um, today? I forgot to tell you this the other day. You know, the, there was a guy called in asking about the electric cars and Tesla. I didn't read the article, but I saw the headline, a Tesla... 10 years old and it had done 1.2 million miles which is about the same rate as what i go trucking at so i don't know whether it was just a test vehicle or an uber or just someone that traveled a lot so did they happen to mention how many sets of batteries it took to get 1.2 million miles no, because I didn't read the article. I just saw the headlines. So, you know, that's what we do now. Just look at the headlines. Yeah, you're yeah. you're just a skimmer. Click. <laughs> Clickbait. Yeah. Clickbait. Yeah. yeah. That's right. No, I'd I be. I didn't click on it. It'd yeah. really be interesting to know how many sets of batteries and what was the cost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were talking about that guy that grossed the seven hundred thousand dollar. Yeah. I I know of. And I got this from the guy that is part owner in the company. A couple of his drivers grossed over 700000 but I have no idea how many miles they did or how much their expenses were or what their net was. But two of them were over the 700000 and one was about the six hundred and seventy. but they had quite a few that were over the half a million. That, that's pretty they, incredible. They, I know they do, they do, they do go up into Canada frequently, which is their big money loads. Yeah. But well, I'll, for... I'll be honest with you, that wouldn't that wouldn't work for me because I, I need to get home more frequently, so yeah. that's why I don't yeah. go. And I, I have it... no desire. I'm pretty happy I got it made where I am. So I'm it, it's right. just, it, it's pretty incredible that there are some opportunities out there to generate that kind of revenue. Yeah. But, but, I, was, was that a team operation? No single drivers. Wow. Okay. Hey, Henry, you. One thing I can. Henry, you missed this. My open this morning, um, yesterday, I was telling the story. We still have a handful of owner operators that we do all of their accounting and their tax work. This is our last year of doing it. But I got called down to the office yesterday to just go over some of our tougher cases. 
you know, were closing out their year and doing their tax return. And they had a bunch of questions for me. So yesterday afternoon, I went down to go through all the files. The first one I pick up, the top of the file is a 1099. And the amount on this 1099 was $709,000. So my first question before I even opened the file was, how many trucks does this guy have? And the answer was one. And I said, what? It, that team? And they said, no, one truck, one driver. And I said, are they brokering freight on the side? Where did all this revenue come from? And they said, we don't know, but that's the number. And I went through his expenses and they weren't making a whole lot of sense. And this was on 127,000 miles grossed $709,000, netted $484,000, if I remember right. So I called the guy to talk about it. It was, it's medical equipment. He moves back and forth from the East Coast to the West Stop, West Coast, two stops, two locations, just back and forth between the two. And when COVID hit, the rates on this stuff went through the roof. So for the last three years, he's been making this kind of money. And I can absolutely prove it. I have all the documents. This is not a truck driver story. The crazy thing was, when I'm talking to him about that, he said, you know, I said, this is just insane. I said, you know, I'm sure you don't tell too many people about this. And he said, you're not going to believe it. He says, there's 80 of us that do this. I'd like there to be 81. Yeah. Well, the, the bad news is um, the party's over. CRST came in and took over the entire contract. Which is always what happens. If, I, you know, I, that's one thing that competition happens. How, there's too much money to be made. It, guaranteed you're going to have competition. In this case, how could it not happen? I'm surprised it took three and a half years to happen. Uh, yeah. The good things take time. Well, we, we kind of speculated that this was whatever the company that's paying this kind of stupid rate when they absolutely don't need to. It, it was a bunch of COVID money was what it was. Had to be. Yep. But, wow. So, so the, the, the other day when I was in at Peterbilt waiting for my parts, yeah, because I called them on uh, yeah, Monday morning. I wanted the rotor, the hub assembly, everything. Yeah, we got it in stock. I went over there to get it, and they didn't have it in stock. Oh, we can have it at the end of the day. Then the mechanic called me and says, you need a caliper as well. So, okay, I need a caliper. Be here at 5 o'clock. So at 10 to 6, they come out, and they said, your rotor and hub assembly came, but the caliper didn't. And it's like, God damn. Um, but it showed up Wednesday morning. So while I was over there killing, killing time, they had a, a 589 Peterbilt sitting right there in the front. Looked like it was ready to go out the gate. I went over and had a look at it, and then I went and talked to the salesman, and he told me the price of that 589, $259,000. And then I, when I drove around the drove around the lot, I saw a 567 Peterbilt, which is slightly more aerodynamic. It's exactly the same truck from the only thing's different is the cat, uh, the the hood has no external breathers. But apart from that, it's the exact same truck. And the salesman told me that the five sixty seven is fifteen to twenty thousand dollars cheaper, and you can still get the coming up to. Because I thought, well, they probably limit the horsepower on the five sixty seven because it's got the smaller grill. 
yeah. smaller radiator because of the sloping hood. And he told me you could get it with a 605 Performance Cummins in there. So, yeah. There you go. But I said, how much? I said, how much for a day cab? And he says, oh, you'd be under 200 for a day cab. And it's like, so, oh, like that's a bargain. Uh, so, Paul, here's, here's the question. I get totally shredded out on social media because people think I paid $300,000 for my truck, which I didn't. <laughs> In fact, I didn't pay near as much as what this uh, Peterbilt at $259,000 is for. And yeah. people will say stuff like, oh, well, you, you put all these special specs on your truck. Well, of course I did. I wanted to get decent fuel mileage. I didn't I didn't order a big hood with a 6x4 and air cleaners because I didn't want to go broke. I, I, but yet people will drop this kind of money on this square hood truck that's going to be lucky to get six miles a gallon. And, you know, just... Yeah, there's a reason why it's called a 589. <laughs> there you go. That could, that could be the average for that truck, but they did lay the <laughs> exactly. You're right. They did lay the, They did. They did make the windshield a one piece and lay it back a little bit, so that might be point one or point two of them. I've got You know, if, if I remember right, I wow. think. Um, I think Freightliner did that on their cab over in like 1977. Yeah. Re, re, remember they called it the Econo Liner. Remember that one? Uh, yeah, but Navistar did that even sooner with the old Transtar too. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, and White, That's right. White done it with the White 5000. It had a really <laughs> curved windshield on that one. That's right. Peterbilt's just a little late to the party here. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I can't say that. I can't say that because Peterbilt made that what they call the football helmet cab over. Oh, yeah. Still, that, that, that still would hold, hold mustard with anything. That's today. true. So, even though I'm a Freightliner guy, the that, one, the, that, there was one Peterbilt I really liked. And surprisingly, Harley-Davidson, with their corporate fleet, had a bunch of them. That one always reminded me, every time I saw that, I, all I could think of was a puffer fish. Looked like somebody inflated it. I just always thought of Darth, Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you that, go. That, foot, that, football, that football helmet cab over would probably get better miles per gallon than that 589 or a 389. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If you, oh, if yeah. you had it short wheelbase and them, like if it was put on a, a box trailer, right. you'd probably get better fuel mileage. Oh, it would, but no doubt. They're a little bit ugly to look at, but. Yeah, when you're sitting in the driver's seat, you can't see that. So. Yeah, but we'll, we'll we'll never have cab overs in this country again because we have too many fat ass truck drivers that can't climb in and out of them. Oh, you might have offended some people. <laughs> oh, you, th you think I might have offended somebody? Oh, good. My Friday is complete. <laughs> well, hey, well, Kevin, when I look at like the old Freightliners, the stirrup styled ones, I'm like, could you imagine that today? Remember how you had to hit them little stirrups to get up in the cab? Oh my God! Wait a wait a minute, Joel. Didn't you have a Ford nine thousand? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kind of reach up to the second story and pull the cab over towards you. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now that that was a challenge climbing in and out of. I used to get a nosebleed by the time yeah. I got into the driver's seat. <laughs> have to take Dramamine before you jump up in the cab. I know. <laughs> Kevin, did you oh, ever wow. see the Preston 
brigadiers that they dressed up to be all extra aerodynamic way back in the day. I I had I a those. I had a little single axle brigadier. Loved that little truck. Well, the brigadier had the windshield laid back, and that, yeah. And the other thing I was reading about, you know, as far as advances, GMC had a lot of stuff. Like on the old Cracker Box, the the first ones had air ride independent front suspension, and and a weight of little over twelve thousand pounds. Can you imagine? Uh, um, yeah, well, but all, you you got to talk no. about all the other issues with GMCs because I had an Astro <laughs> cab over as the worst truck I've ever owned in my life. Really, I drove an Astro. I liked mine. Oh my God! Well, first off, it's the only truck I ever drove where you could get your knees sunburned. <laughs> you gotta that is stop, true. You've got to stop somewhere. You've got to stop somewhere. If you start with a GMC Astro, you can only go upwards. Well, I will say it was my second yeah. truck, a, a, a GMC yeah. Astro. And honestly, I made a bunch of money with it. But boy, I'll tell you what, I also worked on that thing more than I drove it. And not not like, you know, engine because it had a big Cam 350 in it. All that was drivetrain was just fine. The cab quality on that truck was absolutely horrendous. I mean, you might as well just leave your door panels inside off because you're constantly in there trying to get the window to work and the door handle. And that truck was just, the cab was absolute junk. Really? Hmm. Wow. My, mine, I didn't have that, that experience, Kevin, but Oof. neither did I on the old, uh, four, the four-bag cab over Freightliner, or not Freightliner, uh, Ford cab over I drove, which was really cool because if you went around a turn, when the cab leaned, you could see it on the blind side of your trailer on the get-on ramp. <laughs> the other problem I had with that truck, and I've told plenty of these stories, it had tall 24.5s and an elevated fifth wheel. And I was using a lot of rental trailers at the time. And the rental trailers were all back then. They were called the new high cube. And I was always, oh, yeah. always over height with that thing. Hmm. Yeah, like my first time with that truck in a rental trailer trying to go through Pittsburgh with the 13-6 tunnels. Yeah. And, I gotta love that. Yeah, yeah, and all they do is tell the lights start flashing and they tell you you have to exit. But they don't tell you where to go. Go, yeah. <laughs> and this is before GPS. So, and you got to love you got to love surface streets in, in Pittsburgh. I mean, well, there's so much room, right? <laughs> well, you, you know what I learned from from the first time that happened? You know what I learned? You know how there's a bunch of them around Pittsburgh, but they're in, in a lot of cities. You know how you see the sign where it says truck route? It just There's just a sign there, uh -huh. and it says truck route. So I'm forced mm -hmm. to get off. I can't go through the tunnels. Now, I don't know how to get where I'm going anymore. You know, back then... It, before the trip started, I got out a map and I called and got directions and wrote everything down. I know where I'm going, except now it forces me off the interstate and I'm down in the city and I don't know how to get to where I'm going from here. But I, as soon as I get off, I see a sign and it says truck route. So I thought, oh, OK, they are telling me where to go. So I'm driving and I'm looking and I see another one. So I turn. Well, those signs are just put on streets that trucks are allowed to be on. <laughs> it wasn't a route of any kind. There's all kinds of streets marked anywhere. with truck route, but I'm trying to follow them, and I'm like, what's going on? I'm not getting anywhere here. Yeah. Well, 
but the, yeah, thing, yeah. the thing I found, the thing I found in Pittsburgh, I did a lot of Pittsburgh years ago or that area. If you called for directions, if there was either you had to cross a river, a bridge, or go through a tunnel to get to them, they had no idea how for you to get there because. We don't cross the bridge or we don't go to the well, other part of the tunnel. Now, let's it's tell the rest like, of the story. No matter where you are in Pittsburgh and no matter where you need to get to, you have to cross a bridge in a tunnel. It's almost impossible oh, really? not yeah. to in that city. Yeah. So. Right. <laughs> that's all, right. all I had today. I'll let you get the next man. Thanks. All right. That's all we need. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Louisiana. Mark, welcome. Well, I'm in Beaumont now. So, uh, <laughs> so I've got a crazy story for you about electric vehicles and a stupid rate that I got to haul them. Okay. Uh, so apparently Chevrolet has this blazer that's fully electric. Now I got an email from a broker carrier last week, over a week ago. And I read it said, uh, 2024 Chevy blazers, Kendleton to Middle Opian, $450 dead battery. I'm like, oh, well, that's easy. So I called the guy, and he, I ended up getting three loads out of it. I ended up getting 24 vehicles. They weigh 5,400 pounds apiece. Well, they're fully electric, and they all, they all they're, they're, it's all around the country. These, these vehicles, they can't get them off rail yards or ports or whatever because the batteries have come from Mexico malfunctioned the the main batteries so they're a sixty thousand dollar vehicle anyway i got i got what was equivalent about fourteen dollars a mile to haul them to middle Othian, three loads of them uh wow yeah nice yeah, yeah. 54 5400 pounds you just put a put a no-code jump box on them and you could get them up and off the trailer but most people didn't know how to do that. I was I was showing you a nasty, you know, how I got electric cars off with dead batteries. Yeah. By looking up to the 12 volt battery. Right. And uh, one was locked. I found out you could use a key fob from another blazer and get the little key key out of it, and it would break into another. They, they are they're all universal, <laughs> changeable on all of them. The little little access key, because they they say, well, you can't take that. You'll just have to wait for a locksmith. I'm like. I started looking around and Googling, and I finally I said, I bet they use the same damn key fob access key for all of these vehicles. And sure enough, they did. So if you had one and you found the Blazer out there, electric vehicle, you could just go break into them and take whatever they got, and then because you got access to them. Crazy. So anyway, it's a $60,000 vehicle that doesn't work. It's a completely malfunctioned main battery, and that's how big of and, and at the same time, I read an article about, Mercedes-Benz is, you know, discontinuing their electric vehicle program. So that's where you are with all of this now. Yep. If you want an electric vehicle, get a Tesla. Don't mess with this other shit. <laughs> I agree. Because it's absolute shit. So, and it's going hey, to be for hey, several years. Yes. What's that? Hey, I'm just taking notes. Was, was that a Chevrolet? What, what model was that? Blazer. Blazer. <laughs> 2024, 2024 Chevy Blazer. <laughs> Fully electric. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think uh, got problems too. <laughs> I, I, I think Joel caught what I, where I was going. <laughs> mm-hmm. Find yourself a key fob and you're in business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, you know, that's probably yeah. like that for pretty much all of these vehicles out here. I would, I would guess you take a key fob from whatever you drive, 
and take the little key out of it. You could probably break into whatever. You know, I, I, like that. The, the one thing we should say, I think this is a horrible practice, but you're right. It's probably happening. And I'm sure their, their justification is, well, you can't steal the car because the, the, there is no mechanical place to put a key in anymore and turn the car on, but you can get in. It, and that that's bad enough. You should not be able to get into my car with a, with your key. Yeah, you yeah. get in, clean it out. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. So, but that's what that's where it's come to in all of this right now. So, but, yeah, yeah. All right, good stuff. Yeah. Calls are piling up on us here. We gotta we gotta move along. Let's go to Arkansas. Brian, welcome. Hey, thanks for taking my call. And top of the morning to y'all, fellas. Um, so I've y'all can hear me, right? Yes. Go ahead. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. Cool. So. Um, I've heard people call in and give you the specs of their truck, and then you'll say, oh, well, that's a 62-mile-an-hour truck or whatever. And I'd like to – I guess I'm calling because I want to know more about my truck. All right. So, Go ahead. Uh, how to how to figure that out. So um, it's a 2004 Peterbilt 379. I've got the CAT um, MBN engine in it, single turbo. It's got 355 rears. It's got the uh, – RTLO 16913A transmission. It's a twin counter shaft double over, I believe, with a final gear ratio of. Uh, it, I mean, I'm not. It's 0. .73. Yeah, that sounds Three, right. Yes. Yep. What size tires? What size? What size tires? It's it's 11R 22.5s. This truck originally came with 24.5s. It's a 255-inch wheelbase, and or 265, and then uh, I. I do have Pittsburgh Powers tuning in it, so they bumped it up to 550 horse and, and 1850 torque. But I'm getting 5.73 90-day average fuel. I'm in a tanker outfit, tanker operation. Uh, so, you know, 78 one way and then empty on the way back. And when I'm empty, I'll try Ooh. to drive 60. I'll drive 65, but loaded. And at 65, you know, I'm at 1,400 RPM. But loaded... I, I got to, you know, run 67, 68 just to keep it right there at the bottom of that power curve, or it's a dog. I uh, mean. <laughs> why not? And there's well, always I'm a compromise starting. here. This truck is not specced in any way for fuel economy. Nothing about this truck was designed for fuel economy. And the problem here is instead of speeding up because of the weight, you would be better off to slow down, except that puts you into your first overdrive, which isn't all that efficient. Um, so there's right, it's higher RPM, and and I'm gear bound. I'm starting to understand what y'all are talking about. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's this is you're trapped. Yeah, there's, there's, there's no no doubt you are you are trapped. Right yep. now, I will tell you this: you have done the single most important thing you could do to that truck. This this particular engine, that bridge, was a horrible engine. Everybody hated them. They're, they had all kinds of problems. Pittsburgh Power's tune fixes a lot of things in this truck. It's probably the biggest impact on an engine I've ever seen from a tune is on this truck. So that you've done one of the most important things you can do. But you're just really, really limited on this truck in fuel economy. So... There's a couple of things to, to think about. So I think, Kevin, you're right when you say 
that the tune was probably important to, to help this truck get some fuel efficiency. But there are, there are a couple things here that just really stand out that a, a tune will never overcome. Oh, right. And right. obviously the Caterpillar is a big block or big bore engine. And the bigger the displacement, the more parasitic drag you're going to have. Yeah. And the cat did not make horsepower at particularly low RPM. So in order to get to the horsepower, just like you're talking about, you have to run it at higher RPM. So you have bigger pistons, longer stroke, making more strokes per mile going down the road, and then you're running it through a dual countershaft transmission that's <laughs> right. not particularly efficient. Right. So all the tuning in the world, you may help it somewhat, but it's never ever going to be even remotely close to what uh, a modern Volvo or Detroit's going to do in terms of fuel mileage. Now, you're going to have somebody call and go, well, I got a cat and I get 10 miles again. If you're driving 53, 54 mile an hour, you slow it down and you've done, you know, you pull the transmission out of it and you do all the, the coatings, mm-hmm. the interior, and you do all the stuff, you're going to have more money into that huge truck than if you went out and bought a new one by the time you're done, and you're still not going to be as good. So. No. Um, you really got to think hard about what you're doing here because at, at five miles a gallon, um, that's hard on the that's hard well, on the bottom line for sure. Well, it, it, no it, doubt. one yeah. of the other things we have to remember with fuel surcharge in place, if you're getting six or above, you at least stay even when fuel prices jump around. But when you're under six, every time fuel goes up a penny, you got screwed again. And if it goes up, 30 or 40 cents you're really getting screwed because your surcharge does well, not cover that additional cost well <laughs> I, i'm competing against company drivers i'm leased to a company where their fuel surcharge is based on their older volvos that are getting seven and a half oh that's even so, worse yeah i'm not even uh, it's costing me money it, 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 yeah i'm yeah so the fuel surge does not cover my fuel <laughs> Right. But, well, gotcha. yeah, yeah. So, so what? what so, so here, here's so here's guess, how uh, you here's how you improve the fuel economy on this truck. You ready? Yep. We're gonna make a small. <laughs> we're gonna make a small <laughs> modification. Going. We're gonna make a small sell modification. It, no, it. no. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna jack up the radiator cap, and we're gonna drive a new truck under it. <laughs> just a small modification okay, so there you go yeah but yeah. so i mean should i tr- you're right if i try to run it at 62 then yeah you know look i i can in my head i didn't get out the calculator but i i, I see where we might be able to make a, an improvement without spending a ton of money i don't think it's going to be a huge improvement i'd have to calculate but i think it would help if you went to a low-profile 22.5, and even maybe go a little smaller, there's a couple of options we could pick here. Uh, That may change the gearing enough to allow you to drop that gear. But again, we're just not very efficient. I mean, there's just no good way to improve this, other than just get rid of it and get another one. But if I owned it, I would at least try a lower-profile 22.5 and see if it helped. Uh, say, say that last part again. I, if, if, if you owned it, 
I, I would what? I would try lower profile twenty two fives. It does two things. Okay, it okay, it will improve our gearing a little bit for that speed range you're trying to stay in, and we lower rolling resistance. That the tall sidewall on an eleven R just increases rolling resistance. Okay. Okay, yeah, I've never quite understood that either. So it did originally have the 24.5. It's got 22.5 on it now. So well, going so from 24 to 22 was an improvement, but now the tire itself being the tall rather than a low profile is hurting you. Okay, so I don't, I don't think any of the tire changes are going are gonna to be a, a, a magic cure for oh, it. No. It'll be it's, a slight improvement, right. possibly. Um, I mean, when you look at a guy like Matt, who's running, I think, a, a similar truck, he's got, a, he's got a, basically a brick, but he's done a lot of modifications in terms of the rear axle ratio and the lubricants he's running in the truck, and he's managing, you know, that eight, eight and a half range, it looked like. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, he That's just a- posted some stuff. You, that's a T6. Oh, that's right. He's arrow. He's arrow. He's yeah. Back. Yeah. His old, you're thinking of his old, you're thinking of his old, his, yeah, his Peterbilt before. Yeah. He's in the yep. T6 now. Yep. Yeah. Shoot. Right. There's just not a lot you're going <laughs> to no, be able this, to do with this thing. It's, this, this, it's this truck, this truck honestly is the poster child for bad fuel economy. <laughs> it just yeah. is. Well, I didn't, you know, I didn't know all of that, but whenever I got into it, oh, but, right, so right. you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to do an MB. I mean, I'm gonna have to do an in frame on it. So I've well, made better off just sell it and and yes. get something. Yes. But yeah, I don't, don't do, not, do, there do not spend money to uh, look. We had a caller yesterday that was looking at a, I think it was an 18 Volvo. Pretty decent specs. It was slightly higher mileage, seven or eight hundred thousand, maybe, which, which does not scare me at all. For sixteen thousand dollars, how you could buy well, two of those trucks for what say. you're going to pay for an in-frame? Right. So my brothers, my brothers got a bunch of six by two VNRs that are lightweight. They have the D11 in them, the I shift. You know, that's an easy, easy nine mile a gallon yes. truck if you're empty half the time. Very easy without even working at it. Um, so, yeah, you got to think about the money. You're just kind of pissing hey. away here, putting fuel in this damn thing. This is, Joel, how much is he selling those for? This is one of those cases. Go ahead. Go ahead. Hey, Joel, how much is he selling those for? Oh, there's some of them going out the door for fifteen, between fifteen and twenty-five thousand, and they have, you know, in that six hundred thousand to eight hundred thousand mile range. That is such a bargain. And let's think about it. I'm just doing the math in my head, but that truck will, mm-hmm. compared to the current truck you have right now, that truck will pay for itself in less than a year. That's what I was going to say. Less, yeah, the, it's like six say. months. Yeah, this is one of cases. Yeah. Yeah, you're now, talking much. What, that's exactly right. Well, one thing you have to remember, when you roll into a truck stop in a VNR, not a Peterbilt, you're not going to be the coolest kid on the block, <laughs> but you may be the richest <laughs> You may be the richest kid on the block. Yeah, you'll, so, you'll probably have more money than the other guys. So you, you just you know need what? to spend I'm more time it. hanging out at the bank <laughs> than you do truck stops. Because you'll be the cool kid at the bank. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I think you guys are missing the essence of it all. 
the, he, he has learned the hard way. He has felt the pain. And so yeah, right. he's, he's smart enough to know that, hey, having a cool-looking truck ain't very cool. <laughs> and, but having, yeah. being able to pay bills you know, before the third phone call from the collector is actually not a bad idea. <laughs> so, yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm over it. I'm so over it. You know, I, this truck has cost me so. I'm. That's the only my only thing is I put so much money into this truck and replaced so much stuff that I know it almost inside and out. And the only thing I haven't really done is the, is the engine. But and that scares me going to buying a new. Tr- you know, because hey, hey, let me another new used truck let, because let man, me let me one, let me make an analogy here that might convince you. So what I just heard you say was you've put so much into this and you know it so well, you're just going to keep it. That'd be like saying my wife cheats on me with a new guy every couple of weeks, but I I really know her pretty well. So I'm just going to keep her. (laughs) Well, when you put it like that, the net effect is the same. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. But when you put it like that, I'm divorcing her. There you go. Good. Kick her to the curb. Well, how now you're making sense. For, uh, about those trucks, just go up, look up Alpha drivers or... Joel? Hello? Um, yeah, my brother has them at a Northern Ohio Truck Center, Abers Truck Center. Northern Ohio is the Mack dealer in Norwalk, Ohio. And uh, Abers is a Volvo dealer in Ashland, Ohio. There should be some sitting there. And I will talk to him again to see if, because they seem to move fairly quick nowadays. If, if neither dealer has any there, I think he's got another batch of new ones coming in. So there will be more coming soon. So let me, I'll, I'll check with him. But, um, yeah, get online and check out hey. Northern Ohio Truck Center and Abrams Truck Center and see what they got. Hey, hey, Joel, I, I would assume these trucks sell pretty well even in today's market, but if they're ever having any trouble moving mm-hmm. those, um, just tell your brother, give us a list of trucks and specs, and we'll talk about them on the show. We'll move them. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. I'll, get a, I'll get a list. Now, he's got, he's got maintenance records from day one. It'll come in you know, I, a, a, practically a pallet full of, of maintenance records. They do oil sampling, so they've got all that, um, right. all the all the records and all the uh, the data that you're going to need to to make a good I, decision on what you're buying. But, I would uh, tell you this right now, trucks. If, for if, sure. if I still had my contract, and they've at, got the, If I still had my contract at FedEx, I promise you, I would be snatching up these D11s and converting them to single axles in a heartbeat, knowing the history of how well they they spec them, take care of them, all of that stuff. I would buy a couple of these in a heartbeat. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's a fact. Okay, well, I'll I'll let y'all get on to other people, but yeah, the takeaway is I have learned the hard way. Good. Good. That's the best part of the story. I'm sorry, you, sorry you learned, about that. Right. But you've learned. Or, 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 exactly. or not. You know what? I'm not even sorry about it. When you learn a lesson like this, the more painful the lesson is, the better you're going to get the lesson. You're not going to do this again. Yeah, that, that's true. Uh, you know, when you learn the hard way, you rarely ever forget. <laughs> that's so. right. Oh, yeah. That's right. All right, we have got to get to the calls. My God, are they piling up on us. Um, oh, oh, no, hold on. Hit the wrong button there. Rob, we'll be back to you in just a second. Uh, TJ, good morning. 
Kevin, you there? I am. Hey, what are you doing in Texas? I thought I talked to you yesterday. You were on the East Coast somewhere. Well, I was, but uh, the ELDs malfunctioned, so I have to get back to the shop quickly. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right. Hey, uh, you guys are dan- you guys are dancing around th- this guy's truck and not just telling him the truth here. The that truck right there, I don't know how many miles were on it, but it's pre-emission, right? Didn't he say it's an 04? Uh, yeah, well, it it's, it's, uh, EGR. It, it's a bridge. It was Cat's Bridge, so it was. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't full-blown ACERT. It was halfway between their non-emission and their ACERT engine. It was their first emission engine, and they only built it for a year, I think. Got it. So every time I walk out of a truck stop, because I'm a junkie, I grab that truck paper magazine. And these hood, these, these big trucks like this, these big stupid trucks, they're going for like 50 grand. I don't. You're so right. For fifty grand, if he can sell it, 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 there's people buying this old shit. And it, excuse my language. On. Let me just let me just tune it up here. I'm not on Twitter. I got to be more um, polite. Uh, it, no, you don't. The, the truck is worth. <laughs> he, he could buy two of those VNRs for what? Yeah. Uh, this so, will sell for. So he don't have to cash flow it out of fuel. Obviously, that's a that's why to do it. But I mean, the truck you can just do a direct trade. That's a get good a point. Roof, whatever, and be in business so better off with more he, money in his pocket. I'd yeah. Here is a here is a. This is directly out of the the uh, Facebook marketplace. 2017 Peterbilt 389 glider with a 14 liter 60 series 500 horsepower Detroit 10 speed. The truck is in very average condition. The interior is kind of beat up on it. It's, it's, it's not bad, but it's not mint by any means. 2017, a guy sold it for $105,000. No way. You have got to be kidding me. For a glider? Yep, yep, it's got sold on it. Yeah, yeah. It didn't cost that much (laughs) new. Somebody is... Somebody is smoking crack. Yep, it's got 589,000 miles on it. Oh. And he sold the damn thing for $105,000. Oh. Yeah, so inflation, inflationary pressures, fuel prices are going back up, and the, the fuel prices go up, and the cost of the aerodynamic trucks has dropped through the floor. Right. The inefficient trucks are worth fifty grand. His truck's worth fifty grand. I'll bet you. Yeah, I think you're you right. Know, yeah. I think you're right. So it, it's like it's not even it's it's not you don't have to question what to do. You get out of the yeah. you get out of your bad deal for free. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. a little bonus. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, well, hell if I... e- even e- even even if you didn't do that, TJ, you know, hearkening back a, a dozen years to Kevin's thing is, look, you you pull up to a side of the road, you leave the keys in the <laughs> truck with the engine running with the windows in a really down bad and neighborhood. The door open. And you walk away. Yeah, the or south side of Chicago. Run or however. Yeah. Or the other method is you just, you know, set the cruise control and get out and push <laughs> it over the cliff or the ditch. <laughs> and he still comes out ahead. You, TJ, you, you're right here. He could sell the truck right now and take a month off just for the fun of it and come back by one of these Volvos and still be way ahead of the game. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I have one D11 I'm still getting to the bottom of, but it did lose the engine at, at 500000 So I don't, mm-hmm. and it, my operation's not pulling heavy. It's an LTL operation. So 
Um, I'm sure it was just a one-off. You know what I mean? I'm not going to write off all D11s. And it was my, even with the engine blown, it'll still be my uh, my best uh, total cost of ownership truck that I have is that Volvo VNR um, day cab with a lift axle and a D11. So, yeah, they, yeah. they, uh, they are a, a very efficient combination. Um, yeah, I'm surprised to hear that you lost the D11. I mean, we've run them for years and years and never, never lost one. So it'd be interesting to find out what exactly happened there. Hey, Joe, yeah. you, you sent me yeah. the, the picture of that glider that sold for 105000 yep. That's my old stomping grounds, <laughs> Wadsworth, Ohio. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah. know. And I'm yeah. looking, I said, like, Jesus, can you believe that truck sold no. for 105000 No, I, I can't. Just, oh, my gosh. I can't. Unbelievable. That is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. He could, he, well, that's the case, he could turn a profit. Yeah. Just this is how you know that there's still... This is how you know there's still um, money in the system that's not being um, stewarded properly. That's what you can tell from <laughs> that. That was a nice way of saying yeah, that. Something that's, yeah, like not, that clearly if the, the more efficient vehicle selling for less than the efficient vehicle, people haven't learned their lesson yet. Hey, hey TJ, let, so, me, let, me tra- let, me, let me translate that for you. What you were trying to say in English is we have too many dumbasses with cash in their pockets still. That's what it, that's what it feels like. Yeah. No, Ke- Kevin, you, Kevin, Kevin, you've got that all wrong. They, they're financing those trucks. You're right. What am I thinking? Yeah, you're right. They don't have any cash. They there just is have, no cash. That's right. That's right. So just imagine what that truck would have went for if it had a yellow motor in it. Now, if there was anything about this truck at all that kind of at least got me a little excited was it does have that rare 14-liter uh, non-emission Detroit. That's about the only yeah, thing. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I, I like that engine. There just aren't that many of them, and we didn't get to work with a lot. But if anything, there's not much about this truck that excites me. And, Joel, you're right. It's not even in great condition. No, it's not. It's got recaps on the drive. Yeah. It's a 10-speed and, <laughs> yeah. and the interior pictures. It, I mean, it, it's it's kind of okay. It looks like one of my brother's fleet trucks. I mean, it's got screw holes in the dash, and the <laughs> steering wheels all got the, the Cody rubbed off it. <laughs> right. Somebody paid $105,000. <laughs> that 14-liter, though, that 14-liter, that's what they put in all the military vehicles. Right, the non-emission. badass engine. It right is. So, I know. And that was crazy. I pulled up to the truck stop and there's some military vehicles there fueling and they had the hoods up and I walked by I'm like god damn that, that's a brand new 14 liter Detroit right there nice and, and this simple was in the year 20 yeah 2020 yeah, yeah so they they don't put this emission engines in, in the military vehicles you they, know why they have actually told us why they said we can't afford the problems in a mission critical vehicle I mean, they admitted it. Exactly. Well, that's that's right. Right. Yeah. That's right. Military military vehicles, by definition, are not really worried about emissions when they're blowing up a refinery. Exactly. Right. (laughs) Right. That's true. But rules for me. That's that's right. Yeah. Yeah. They they do not make that engine anymore. I go to the Detroit plant. I was there when they made the last Series 60 for the military, and that's a number of years ago now. Yeah. 
Interesting. At, at the time, they were still making brand new silver ninety twos yet. Wow, the yep. military. Wow. And that was like in uh, 2010, 2012, somewhere around there. That's pretty crazy. I actually was picking up a load there the the, the day they made the last one. Interesting. So, sad. But sad Joe, right Joe you're not very good with marketing this this Peterbilt that you found on Marketplace. That was not it, retreaded tires that it had. It had vintage casing. Hey, there hey, you go. Hey, he, nobody needs to market <laughs> this thing at all. It already sold. That's yeah, the crazy yeah, part. Just trying to help go with his marketing. <laughs> there you go. Well, well Kevin, well, you, I mean, uh, Henry, you got to realize that the more he bashes it, the greater the value. That is the true, too. That's, that's right. Buying a truck like that is the antithesis of what Joel would recommend. Yeah, good point. <laughs> and the screw holes in the dash. Reverse psychology. Yes, the screw holes in the dash and the worn steering wheel is patina. That's right. That's right. That's, that's, that's right. It. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. yeah. <laughs> it takes a lot of miles to develop that. Oh, yeah. Hey. You can't. I mean, what's it worth? You can't. It's only original once, as they say. <laughs> hey, hey, TJ. Oh, my. Yeah. Did, did you get did you get on the show today? Um did, did you sneak on to talk about something else no. and then change your mind? No, I really do have that question. Okay. No, I, I do have that question. I just can't get a word in edgewise. <laughs> Those other guys keep cutting me off. <laughs> well, well, go ahead. I'll direct traffic. <laughs> it's kidding, your turn. Guys. Guys, I'm just kidding, guys. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I do have a real question for, for in the spirit of tax season. I got a question here from my CFO who sent this to me. And I was going to, you know, regurge it over to you, Kevin, and, and get to know your thoughts because it's motorhome related. Okay. So, you know, I got, I obviously I opened an LLC to have a motorhome company. And my idea, I'm still in the, I'm still in the infancy stages of this new company where I Airbnb my motorhomes, right? Okay. And so I haven't drawn any revenue in yet, yet. It's coming though, soon. So I'm still within the like the three-year RVs as a hobby rule by the IRS, right? Right. I'm, I'm building my business looking for customers. And then she sent – so I've been putting my maintenance. I've been paying for maintenance with this company, this LLC, right, on these motorhomes. Now, my old motorhome, I put money into it so I can try to sell it, right, and upgrade or, you know, sell it and move the, the capital into the new motorhome. Okay. But anyway, so here's the question. He, from my CFO, you had a four thousand five hundred sixty-eight dollar um, transaction at Four Travel um, for repairs on the old Four Travel. Um, her question is: Do you want to add the fair market value of the Four Travel to the business, or do you want to reduce your contributions account for this amount? So either add the four thousand plus what you think the fair market value of the Four Travel is to contributions or deduct 4K from contributions. And my question is, what the hell is she talking about? I don't understand that. So, I could have asked her, but I, I figured it'd be good content for you. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> the reason is right. that this is not a question that anybody else listening is ever going to have to deal with. It, it, this is, well, this they, is... They want to have motorhomes too, don't they? <laughs> This is such. This is one of those. It's such an obscure issue that 
I couldn't even answer it with the amount of information I have right now. I, I would have to look at way more things about what's going on with your finances and everything else to answer this. And it's not something that comes up very often at all. So really the best person to get advice from this is your CFO because she has all the information in front of her to help so you make that decision. Value? Why, do, why would you need a fair market value on an asset that's paid off? Would it be like, it, it it's more it from, from, from the way the question was worded I, I'm thinking this is more of how do I explain this when you start up a company you said this LLC is a new company there are ways that you can fund it and get assets into it and the reason we have to deal with this is had you started the llc and went out and bought the rv you could just make it an asset but you started an llc and the rv was a personal asset you've got to get that value into the company and i think that's what she's talking about you have a couple options on how you get it in yeah, so I, I, that would make sense, I guess. Like, okay, we're trying to, you, by having, if you're going to expense something on an RV, then that thing, the, the, the capital number needs to be in there as well. The capital it, it, asset. It has to be an asset be in the company. owned by the company, right. Or, now this doesn't work on vehicles. I would, I, I would say you could do a lease back like you do with land or buildings, but you can't do that with vehicles. So, yeah, th- this is... That, that's all she's talking about is we have to get this asset into the company. Um, I have a different question for you, though. Are you trying to do this, like, rental with just your RV, or are you trying to start a company that manages people renting out their RVs, too? I was trying to do it with my two RVs. Have you, looked at, two RVs and- have you looked at the companies like RVShare.com? Uh, no, that was going to be part of it. I was really looking at, like, my, with my big coach, the leasing it to a wine company, oh. touring company. Like, oh, you know, something like good that. idea. Yeah. Yeah. Or, like, yeah. let's say a wedding. So my bus is pretty much, like, you know, it's gaudy. So maybe, like, a wedding at a winery could use, like, a place for the bride or groom to change hey, and get ready in. You know what's interesting? A, we, a uh, yeah. We, a couple times a year, Lisa and I like to cater events. We usually do it for a good cause. We don't do it to make money. We, we usually just donate our time and um, we just like to do it. So there was a, a wedding here. They wanted to have it out in the gorge because it's beautiful here. And they talked to us about catering it. And we said, yeah, we'll do it. Um, and we, it, it was the same thing. It wasn't right here on our property, so we had to take the food and everything to where they were going to be. It was not that far away. But they also didn't have enough space, and we moved the RV down there for that reason. It was like the, the, the place where the, the bride could go and, you know, get her hair done and make up, and they could all hang out. And they, they loved that. They thought that was awesome. Yeah, exactly. So there's something. And, but, like, I would want to do it in conjunction with, let's say, one of these caterers in my area. Like, I don't want to start a, this right. business or whatever. Right. Rather, kind of do like an independent contractor does and just say, hey, I got this badass asset. Yeah. And I'd like to lease it on to you. And then, you know, and then we can use it here and there. Um, and I'm not so sure if I couldn't get an IFTA sticker because I do it in other states, too, and then not have to pay the sales tax or whatever. Yeah. How cool would that be? Yeah. Interesting. I like but, that idea. Yeah. 
So anyway, that's kind of where I was going with this. But obviously what I'm really trying to do is just convert my hobby into a business so that I can write everything off. Exactly. Yeah. There's a recorded, and, and, there's a recorded place. <laughs> yeah. And don't worry about those 75,000 new IRS agents with guns. They won't bother you. <laughs> Uh, anyways, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. The motorhomes are—it's a love-hate relationship. You know that. Oh, this is boy, not, do I ever! It's yeah. It's not a relationship that I you know wish to extend to other people or advise on it. But it's just like it, for me, it's just one of those things where I just I just love it so much that I, I'm stuck doing it. Yeah. When when I'm using mine and I'm taking the trips and I can hang out wherever I want, do my show wherever I want, I absolutely love it. When I'm laying under it with the antifreeze dripping on me again on the side of the road trying to fix it is when I absolutely hate it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. All right. What else you got today? All right. Well, well, I don't that's all I got, but I'd love to comment on the, the latest news story. Did you read the news this morning cuz I typically get my news from you? I usually, yeah, I, I didn't read a ton this morning, on? but I, I scanned all the headlines. Yeah, there's nothing going on, right? Everything's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could do three hours a day on current events every day. Easy. There's so much stupid shit going on in this country right now, I can't even think about it because it makes oh me crazy. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's wild. It is. But I think it's going to be okay. How do you really I, feel? I, well, I'm, I really feel like I'm becoming more comfortable with the United States just, like, kicking everyone else's ass and, like, driving their economies into the tank while we, you know, we think ours is bad, but I think ours is, like, a hundred times better than China or I, Europe or any of those countries. So, I don't know. I feel pretty... I'm just coming to grips with the fact that the U.S. is going to push people around and make us really, really super strong. And, you know, and there you have it. Well, I, I'm with you. While we're so at it... While we're at it, let's bring all of our troops from around the country, around the world back home and stop trying to be the world police. No, no, no. That's my point, Kevin. No, I'm, I'm reversing course on that. I'm reversing no. course on my libertarian principles, and I'm getting in line with our country doing exactly that. That's my point. Because no, the, we gain and everyone else loses while we do this to the world. No, yeah, but but let, let's I, I I get that too, and I understand what you're saying. We need to be tougher, but let's beat the pants off of them economically and stop shooting people. Let, let's stop bombing each other. No, I, let's stop. Let, let's just bring everybody back here to and we have everything we need. We we don't need much from the outside world. Let's just become isolationist and build our economy and our country back to where it should be. I don't think there's that much to gain. I think we have more to gain by controlling all the world instead of just controlling our own continent. Wow. That's, which is, which is, that's why I'm bullish. <laughs> I'm so bullish on the U.S. So, so you just want to go bomb everybody into oblivion and take over their economies. <laughs> well, I saw LAVs. You know what a LAV is, right? Light armored vehicle? Yeah. I saw, I was at a truck stop on this trip, and they, were, they had literally six... Uh, heavy hauls, you know, low boys, heavy hauls, all lined up in the back of the truck stop with LAVs on them. You know, uh, W9s I, and LAVs. And I'm like, I, wow, this is this is America right here. This, yeah, this, I would. This, this America. I, I was in the. And you know, those things came from. Yeah, I was California in the Ninth Cav. That that was one of the um, the light armor divisions. Uh oh, where'd you go? I don't know. Everything got quiet for a second there. Oh uh, yeah. 
I, I think the NSA was no, spying on us. <laughs> All right. I'll let you get back to truck talk. We'll All right. Truck talk with the, uh, the the big heavy trucks with 355 rear ends. There you go. Good stuff. Good talking <laughs> to you. Have a great weekend. See you at, uh, at the truck show. Let's go to Ohio. Rob, welcome. Hey, can you guys hear me? I can. What's on your mind today? Yep. Hey, so um, I've got two trucks. I'm in Ohio here. I do flatbed, kind of local. I've got a 2014 Mac 613, um, and I got 95 Mac 613. The 14 has the MP7 with the uh, it's got 321 rears oh. and the uh, yeah. M drive transmission. Well, I drive 59 to 60. That's pretty much I, unless I'm in a big mm-hmm. hurry. Joel might be familiar with these trucks. See, the the the, the 14. Oh, yeah. It's an old Fraylin Schilling truck. Yep. You gotcha. you familiar with them? And oh yeah. I'll let you. They they both got small sleepers. The the 95. I'm sure you've seen these trucks. It's a silver truck. Mm-hmm. The old South Shore. Are you familiar? You, I'm sure you remember the uh, South. Oh Shore yeah. Truck. Yeah yeah. Yep yep absolutely. Well, we've got two of them. Uh, one's pretty much retired, but my 14 is getting 7.8. That's my last on the 30 days. Sometimes mm-hmm. I can get close to 8 in the summertime. The 95 is mm-hmm. getting right at 7. And the, the mm-hmm. 14 is a 6x2. It has the, Mer- mm-hmm. the Meritor fuel light suspension. Mm-hmm. What's, your, what's your thoughts on that suspension? The, the suspension is a... Oh. It, it's it's acceptable. It's by no means optimal. Uh, it uh, it it'll get the job done for you. It's just not going to be great when you get into a little bit deeper snow and and whatnot. If you have to back under a trailer, if you're not dropping and switching trailers all the time, it's you can live with it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's I've not going to be okay yeah. with that. I'm just yep. thinking, man, the 95. You know, it's it's the if you're familiar with the older Max, I don't know. It's the V Max mm-hmm. Two. It still it has the injector pump, yep. but it's electronically driven, and yep. that's getting almost seven. And here, my, and it's got four seventeen rears, nine speed, Ooh. and the Ooh. fourteen. Yeah. Well, no, no. That, oh, that, they spent that, all their trucks with four seventeen. So oh, we, wait a minute. These are Max. That was very that's right. Today, but, yeah, these yeah, these are Max. Very common for the Max. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But the the three the three twenty three on the D eleven is killing you, and since it's a single axle, it's relatively inexpensive to swap those gears out. And I would definitely I would definitely swap that gear set out and put a two sixty four in that uh, in the two thousand and fourteen, and your your fuel mileage is absolutely going to jump. I'm I'm Even, a little bit surprised it's doing as well as it's doing with that three twenty three gear set in it. Well, He's like driving said, it right though at 59. Yeah, I'm at like 1350 no. RPM. I try to keep it right around there. So that engine where the fuel mileage gets really good is right around 1100. Uh, 1350, really? you're right out at the top of the power curve. Yep, you're running right out, the, right out at the top on that. So uh, it, with 264, I, that's what Jamie Hagen. He's got a bunch of them um, with the 264. Uh, D11s, and you know it's it's an easy <sighs> easy into the into the eights. So um, wow, especially with if you're driving it yourself and you're watching what you're doing, you you'll do really well, really well with it. With, 
Joel, adding to him with that fuel light, which I ran that setup for getting under the trailers. One one thing that helps quite a bit is to put a dump valve on that rear tag axle, so you can have all the grip you can have right at that moment. Yeah, there's yeah, there's I'm, some things you can do do with it for sure. Yep. I was wondering about that too. This thing has an electronically controlled suspension, mm-hmm. so I've got that little yeah. e- ECS switch in here, and I can. Yeah. And it's got a sensor to every airbag, so I was thinking, can I put a dump valve, or is this thing going to communicate with now? You confused, or you can still put a dump valve. And what I did before that, you know how you can raise the suspension as well as lower it, which is a handy feature if you happen to have a trailer that's set too high. You can lift it off the landing gear and not have to crank on it as hard. But what I used to do before that was I'd raise the suspension all the way up if I was in a bad traction situation like a dock. And before I put the dump valve on, I carried four oak four-by-four blocks. I'd slide them between the axle and the frame, and then I'd dump the suspension all the way. And because the fifth wheel was behind the center line, if it was an icy dock or something where I had to make a low-speed maneuver to get out of it, I'd get all sorts of traction and get up out of the situation. Then I'd just pull the blocks out and... Throw them in the side box and go. I called that my get-out-of-jail free card. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. I never thought about that one. Um, later, I put a dump yeah. out, which did the same thing, and that was much easier. You know, the trucks, like I said, this, this is an M-drive, and, uh, well, sometimes it'll, you know, your certain gears, you get to that shift point, I'll hit the M button and kind of hold it. And, or, like, if I'm, cre- if I'm going downhill and I know, like, I just want to back off, we don't need to downshift. It kind of wants to downshift, but... I mean, for the most part, you know, I think it does a pretty good job. But talking about these new smart trucks and everything, the only thing is it it kind of is boring. I almost would rather drive the 95. I know it sounds stupid, but I like the challenge. You know, older trucks, you have the challenge of trying to, you know, every day you try to beat yourself on fuel mileage. And I do that, too, with this white one. But you guys are talking about how the newest trucks, the driver doesn't have to do anything. It's kind of it's kind of a, I don't know how you, it's like, no, I, I, kind of like these self-driving tractors. It's like... You know, in some ways, I think a lot of us feel like this. Like, we worked really hard to learn all this stuff to create an advantage, how to spec a truck better, how to drive a truck better. And in in some ways, the OEMs are working to take that away. And and in one sense, I like to see it because the whole industry becomes more efficient, and that's good for all of us in a lot of ways. But I I like when we have more of those competitive advantages we we can use so i I feel the same way kind of mixed here's here's a question for you and this will allow you to um use some of your driver's skill so i'm looking at a a calculator here and i put the 323 in with uh, 513 revs per mile which is a little pro 22 fives um in overdrive at 1350 rpm you're running 62 mile an hour thereabouts so if we it's go to actually 321, or in, but yeah, you're, you're close right okay. there. Yeah, it's close, right. So how uh, how often are you on the lighter side or empty? Well, I, I'm I would say 40 percent empty. I, I'm, okay. I do 100 miles is my average length of haul probably. But what, um, okay. And seasonally, like this time of year, I get more backhaul short stuff. But I do haul mm-hmm. on. On the heavy side, I'm lightweight. I've got the white white base singles, aluminum flatbeds. I'm only like 25.5 empty weight. So I, a lot of times I wow. have 50,000, 52 on the deck. Yeah, it's okay. super lightweight. So, yeah, it One is. fuel tank. Um, it's 
So here's here's my thought here. If you go to 264 and um, if you want to bump gears manually with this thing, when you're lightweight, uh, 62 mile an hour is going to be 1100 RPM, which is spot on perfect. That thing will just knock it out of the ballpark. And then when we drop it down into direct drive, let me put this in and go back to 1350, direct with a 264. You're going to be right about 1400 RPM at 60 mile an hour. Um, so you probably need to get to a 247 to give you both those gears available at highway speed. Let me, let me punch that in. And 247, 513, let's go back to 1100 um, in 0.785 over. That's 66 mile an hour, which if you're light, that's, that's a good number to run at. And let's go back to direct drive now, go to one, go 1350, because that's the top of the curve, um, 63 mile an hour. That's what I'd do. I'd, I'd swing a 247 in that, and uh, you should still have enough startability with it. It is an overdrive transmission, correct? I'm assuming so, but uh, I really yeah, it no almost idea. almost yeah, oh, almost have to be yeah. Yeah, with the three. 321, yeah. Yeah, I'd swing a 247 in that bad boy, and that should be readily available at a um, go to a salvage yard or, you know, one of the places that dismantles trucks. You should be able to grab a 247 gear set, and then you can look at- run in run in overdrive when you're light, and you can run in direct drive when you're heavy, and you're going to see a significant increase in your, your fuel efficiency. There's no doubt. You can also yeah, shop at uh, Dex Heavy Duty Truck Parts. Okay, that was my only worry. It would be kind of hard on the clutch, you know. I always now, hit four, him, and that's down the load. Yeah. Yes, you'll you'll have to. They can program the default to start in low, and you should with the two forty seven with the overdrive transmission. You should always start it in low, and, and you should be fine. I, I don't see. You're not going to have a problem with it. We've run 247s with the 12 speeds and never had an issue with it. Okay. Yeah, you guys are talking about cheap trucks. I bought this, the 14, I bought this truck right when the lockdowns hit, COVID was going on, mm-hmm. and I gave 10.5 mm-hmm. for it. I had 132,000 miles. <laughs> oh, nice. man. Nice. Wow. Sheesh. You stole and you got that. fuel economy. Yeah, you stole that one. Yeah. yeah it's the small sleeper and lightweight is kind of perfect perfect for what right. i do but it sounds like it yeah i thought all that was a good price all right good stuff hey we we got to move along before we do I, i'm watching um i don't think it's live right now it was live a little bit ago this is pretty wild it's on uh it was on fox the um i'm pretty sure i can recognize the bridge i think it's the big one going across from ohio to louisville there's a oh, that truck hanging off it did yeah. you see that holy cow yeah so the Where it's, it's a, in in Louisville on one of the bridges. It looks like the one coming across from Ohio from the little bit that I can see. It's a Cisco truck, short uh, reefer, and the he went through the guardrail on the bridge, and the trailer is. It looks like it's hanging on the bridge right behind the landing gear. So the tractor is just hanging out in the air. The hood's hanging open. And they were they lowered first responders down on cables to get the driver out of there, and then they're showing them bringing the driver. It's pretty wild. Wow! Holy yeah, yeah. 
It's, yeah. it's just, it, that tells you how strong that kingpin is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Thank God it is, right? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you you can trust wow. your kingpin. It's he, not it's not gonna break. <laughs> I'm glad wow. he's going to test it I'm for us. Looking at the picture, isn't that yeah, crazy? Right? How did how did he get turned to get out in between them girders like that? That's what I, I want to know. <laughs> when I looked at that too, I thought, how did he hit that spot at at enough speed to go through it like that? That seemed odd. Determination. So I think so. That's that's pretty crazy <laughs> looking was, though. He, he was. He was committed. Yeah. All right. Let's get to some more calls. We're going to run out of time today if we're not careful. Matt, welcome. Yeah, good afternoon, everyone. What's on your mind? Uh, Howdy. Um, Howdy. Joel, Joel must have known I was on the line earlier with that call with the Peterbilt. <laughs> That's right. Said, Somebody's going to call it a cat engine. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So, And I, I was uh, thinking the same as Alec. I, for sure you were going to say, Kevin, I know how you can get better fuel mileage with that truck. Drive it off a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really good fuel mileage yeah. going down. Yeah, we have several <laughs> options for those kind yeah. of trucks. We can leave them in the hood. We can, you know, yeah. uh, start a campfire underneath them to get warm. There's lots of things we can do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I, I could give the guys pointers, you know, to grab a couple of tents. But without spending a hell of a lot of money, it it's not easy and And majority of it is trucks just keep getting cheaper right now and and you really have to look hard at should you modify a truck you have or just go buy something else they're so cheap nope and i'm in that same boat i'm getting more and more towards replacing this truck every time something breaks on it yeah it's just not worth it anymore with the price of parts nowadays yeah, it's really not. It's so, getting pretty crazy. You know, but on Tuesday at the power hour, you had a caller. And I don't know. I think it was more of a regular guy. I know he's out of Canada with uh, kept, uh, breaking clutch brakes. Yeah. And, I mean, he was short, like, in like two days. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, it was a couple apart. days he said they could, and they had in their shop, the, the company's shop, they had, like, I don't know, 32 clutch brakes hanging on the wall because they replace them so often. Yep. So uh, my buddy Matt at Carson and Sons Trucking, who he's a Pittsburgh power dealer and an MD alignment place, he sent me, uh, this is what we use now and don't have any more issues. They need to be greased. They are a wet clutch brake. And it is uh, Peterbilt, the TRP brand. Yeah. And I'm going to try to read this part number. It's CB, which I'm assuming stands for clutch brake, 313500STCL. And I'll post a picture of this on Trucking Tribe and the Pittsburgh Power Group, and maybe we can figure out who the caller was. I'll go back and listen. If it was a regular okay. guy, I'll get a hold so, of them. But. So is this like a different replacement part that solves the problem? Well... This is the replacement. It is a two-piece because otherwise, a one-piece you got to pull. Got to tear it all apart, right? Get it on there. Yep. And that is. I mean, I remember having this problem oh, probably over 20 years ago. Now, yeah, it'd be the early 2000s. So 20 years ago. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. The two-piece ones. 
they just, they just uh, they don't hold up as well. And right. you got to have a lot of pressure there to keep that in together. Because if you hit that clutch brake too hard, that, that two-piece just snaps back apart. Ah, okay. Yeah, sometimes when people say 20 years ago, for some reason, my mind thinks like 1980. I'm not sure why that happens, but... <laughs> it, it, yeah, I don't know. Yep, I know. Same here. Yeah. Uh, um, all right. Well, good. Maybe we have a solution there because I was pretty stumped. Yeah. And then uh, Henry, you know, Kevin changes plans all the time, and he's not very good at telling everybody. So this show, the first hour, he used to do a free-for-all, and then he kind of moved into trucking technology. But now he right. just does technology the whole show so it actually starts at 10 o'clock central you, you don't have to wait till 11 i was going by what i was texted so, so all right so i i get it I'm, I, I'm not always the guy that you know sticks to schedules and remembers to tell everybody but i have to say this one was really not me i'll tell you how this happened we used to do the start the show just by myself at eight o'clock for me on the west coast and then at eight thirty we would bring these guys in. So it just gave me a half hour to do an open and take a couple calls. And, but then one day, for some reason, I, I, it was 8 o'clock, and I looked, and Joel was there, and Henry was there, and Alec was there, and I'm like, well, they're here. We might as well just start. So I, <laughs> that's how that happened. I don't know why they called in early that day, but we've been doing it ever since. So, so it's Joel's fault. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, pretty – yeah, I think so. <laughs> Ruining podcasting too. Scheduling and promptness and everything else. Yeah. It's all your fault, Joel. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Matt, what else you got? Not, not, well, if you have a bunch of calls you can just drop me otherwise I was gonna comment too. Todd called on Tuesday about more electric cars. Yeah. He brought up electric trucks too, but you know, he was asking where we think this is there. Well, I was asking Pittsburgh Power guys where they think it's going to go. And the trucks, we just don't know. They're too new. We have basically no information on them yet. But on the car side, what you guys started talking about is how a lot of them are, the dealers don't want nothing to do with them, all that. Right. That is all the other brands not counting Tesla. Correct. You touched on this a little bit, Kevin. Yeah. Tesla is i don't even know the year well, i think paul said it was 2012 2010 they sold their first car so they're 12 13 14 years into this exactly they're doing just fine well let's think about something else every single car that tesla sold during that time was a fully electric car that's all they make that's all they've ever made Yep. and the reason dealerships with the big three or well it's more even just the big three um, are having such a hard time, their dealers are trained on to sell internal combustion engines. It's a wildly different experience to try to sell somebody an electric car, their first car. Yeah. So typically they can sell a car in 45 minutes. An electric car has taken them at least two to four hours, and usually it's multiple visits by the customer. Wow. So now the dealer or the salesman is basically working for one-fourth the salary rate to the, sell an electric car than what he can, his time involved, you know? Right, right. Why and would they do the it? Same problem in the shop. Yeah. In the shop, you know, a, a mechanical or, well, uh, 
internal combustion engine, you have a broken part, you replace it, it goes back to working fine. Just like our phones, our computers, all that, anytime there's an update on everything electrical, <laughs> right. you end up with a new problem you never <laughs> had before. And That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a different world. It's, it's not a, the same. It, it, you're right. It is a whole different world. Speaking of Tesla, did you see the car he's working on now? No. He, he said that he's got a line that if you even want to call this an automobile, he's taking the concept of his original. If we go back, the first car he ever released was that little roadster, that little two-seater. He's going back to, and that's what they put up in space was a roadster. He's, he wants to build one, and I haven't had time to read these articles. I just keep seeing the headlines, but I want to go read this. He wants to build a car that goes zero to 60 in under a second. Yeah. He, he's, yeah, I, I don't know I, the number, but I, I do know, yeah, Tesla originally started with uh, the Roadster. The little two-seater, yeah. going to be their first vehicle. Right. Yep. But so he, 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 I saw a line in there that they're using some sort of thrust technology front that was developed at SpaceX, and they're going to put it in this car, and they're trying to... <laughs> get it to go zero to 60 in under a second can yeah isn't that pushing the limits of what the human body can handle as far as g-force well yeah we're talking g-force now right we gotta talk to some pilots and right yeah we we might have to skip reacting to that vehicle pulling out in front of you yeah we we might have to skip the pilots we need to talk to some astronauts I'm not sure if pilots pull yeah, those I'm kind of G's. Uh, 2008, yeah, 2012 I th- was when the Model S came out. I, I thought it was 08, yeah, for the Roadster. That's a long time ago. Nope. Oh, and right. um, I sent this to Paul earlier when he was on the line. You guys are talking about Peterbilt's, and then the only one you guys liked, the cab over. Yeah. That was the 372 model. That's right. Yeah. Cab over. 372, that's right. And I would... Love to have one of those. Oh yeah, there's 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 several cab overs I'd love to have. I'd love to have some of those European cab overs. Yep. All right, so. we're gonna move along. Matt, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Let's go to Nebraska, David. Welcome. Morning, Kevin. What's on your mind today? Um, I sent you my numbers, my business numbers for the last three years. Thought you might want to take a look and tell me what you think. All right, let me uh, let me see what we've got here. When you say you sent them, how did you send them? Uh, it's a PDF. Morgan was sending it over to you. Well, it looks like it didn't come through as a PDF because it's got a weird extension .ods and I can't open it. Ah, oh, shit! I might have attached the wrong one. Okay. Yeah, it, well, it's. Well, um, a lot of calls. It, we'll try this again some other day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It it says it the the file name is numbers.ods, and I have no idea what that extension is, but I can't open it. Yeah, I might have sent the wrong one. That's got that's it. Pretty typical for me. All right. Send it. Send us another one, and we'll do we'll this again it. another day. Thanks for the call, though. Yeah, and I love going over numbers. We just. I can't see them. It doesn't help me much. All right, let's go to Minnesota and talk about something we haven't talked about in quite a while. Jerry, welcome. 
Hey guys, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, boy, I don't know. I've been eating a lot of crow every time I listen to your program, so I'm one of these lucky guys that purchased an 04 Kenwood W900 back in 2012. So <laughs> I spent a lot of time. <laughs> I don't even want to do the numbers anymore. Okay, all I, right. I was smart enough to do everything micro blue, the engine. Got it. Oh, okay. Micro blue, the transmission. I had a seven and a half mile gallon W900 that I drove 58 to 62 miles an hour. Nice. Now I got a. Well, I had to replace a lot of stuff, and I didn't do it micro blue. Now I'm back to the five and a half mile gallon. So I don't even know what you want to call it, but so look, we 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 talked about we worked with micro blue for a couple of years, talked about them a lot, experimented with a lot of stuff and moved away from it for a lot of reasons, not because it didn't work and we weren't getting results. There was some question about, does it yep. last? Are you still getting the same results a year later? Can we wear those coatings off? We had some issues with, with the owner. He's a little eccentric and, him and I didn't always get along. And so there were a lot of reasons that whole thing fell apart. Um, but it's pretty interesting if, if, if you can really kind of document this, that after rebuilding everything. Oh, I, could, I with, could go right back to my fuel mileage. No, that's, I, I um, use your profit gauges, yeah, fuel gauges. And I pinpointed right when it went from you know, six and a half, seven in the winter, fall, down to four three-quarter, and I'm like, well, it's when I changed the transmission, I saw the biggest, you know, decrease, and the stuff worked. It Whether it yeah. lasted a long time yeah. or not, I that's where I'm at now. Do I redo all that stuff, or do I go buy one of those trucks out in Ohio that uh, really makes me want to go look at? So. You know, I, I, I have <laughs> to believe the, the cost of that, you know, starting from scratch and doing it all again is, is just not cost-effective. No, not for that type of money. I'll I'll go buy a you know fifteen sixteen dollar truck all day long, and for that type of mileage, yeah. I've had my own authority for five years, and yeah, it's you got to do everything. It, running around with this W nine hundred, it I get a lot of thumbs up and <laughs> a lot of compliments on it, but it don't put any money in my pocket, and I'm that right. I'm not that stage you know, in my life. I, I'm fifty four, and you know this goes back to a lot of the yeah. stuff we we talk about. You know, we we've We've been making a point of this for a while now that it's getting harder and harder to talk about this stuff on the air without stopping every time and saying, yes, when we're talking about this concept, whatever it is, you got to look at it differently for this era of trucks than this era of trucks than where we are now. And, you know, I can say that I still like the idea of building late 90s, early 2000 engines and and making trucks really efficient doing that. I had a lot of fun in those years learning all that stuff. and And I understand those trucks really well. But on the other hand, it, it, it's, it's almost like I said, the OEMs are kind of taking away our competitive advantage, and I, I'm kind of right there now. I'm looking at these new modern trucks, and they've made so many improvements on them, and we're getting crazy fuel mileage without hardly any modifications. Or, and almost all these modifications we talk about add some complication, and mm-hmm. it, it, it's... I'm almost ready to just give in and say, my God, why would I buy anything but a new modern truck now? 
Absolutely. That's to the point I'm at. I'm just, uh, I'm old school. I, this is the era I started in the early 90s over the road, and that's the type of truck the company had that I worked for. And so, yeah, I got the wrong thinking. Now, it's, I'm, that thinking is back in the 90s. So I'm ready to take on some new technology, and I'll be down in uh, Louisville for the truck show. I did the C, uh, the, your program deal, so I'll be down good, there and good. bring in a notebook. I'm, I'm ready to take my business forward. All right. Joel, I, I, I don't even have to ask you about this because you went through all that, too. You, you worked on all those strategies on those trucks that we modified heavily to get that kind of fuel economy and complicated things. And we've talked about why fleets couldn't do this. And now you are clearly in the camp of the new modern trucks. Uh, yeah, th- there's no doubt. Um, yeah. And I, I think you're really, really going to see this with the new VNL coming out. You know, they're they're talking about 10% better fuel efficiency than what I'm getting right now currently. And I think we'll probably push that number a little higher, even, you know, working with Michelin on some, some tire choices here. And if that does come to fruition, I don't see how you can make an argument for for older older trucks now i get or, it if you're in an operation where maybe you're running fifty thousand miles a year I, okay i get it you know you, you're going to be able to to justify the, the used equipment but in a over-the-road operation where you're doing a hundred thousand miles plus a year if you have a truck that's in the 11 mile a gallon range which is what potentially we could be pushing with the new vnl here mm-hmm. um you have a very hard time justifying or uh, older items. Uh, or, or, just, or joel let's think my, about this my, week my average is five three miles you know a mile oh, per yeah. gallon per month that, yeah that just, that, that's a no-brainer i'm not a math well guy. and let's think yeah. about this option yeah. too joel we don't have to go all the way to that hundred and eighty, two hundred thousand dollar brand new truck to get eleven. Why not go buy one of these twenty eighteens that are selling for fifteen thousand dollars that we could be pretty sure we could get nine out of? Sure. Yeah. No. There, there's no doubt you you can do that. But when I mean, man, if 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 what they're telling me holds true, and and I don't know that it's going to, but. The, the group that I'm working with, they've been pretty spot on with all the predictions in the past on what we were going to do uh, fuel mileage-wise. But just think about that, 11 miles oh, a gallon in a Class 8 truck. It's crazy. Uh, it really yeah, is. let you guys go because yeah. I'm going to start trying again. All right, Jerry, good talking to you. Interesting to hear the term micro blue again. Let's... Uh... <laughs> Let's go to Alaska. Austin, welcome. How are you? Good. What's on your mind today? I have two questions. I have one for you and I have one for Joel, so I'll ask Joel first. Um, I, I run a Steptec, and I'm, I'm playing with the idea of kind of looking into getting a new truck here within the next couple of years. And mm-hmm. I want to know what – I mean, I, I have a Volvo, and I want to stick with Volvo. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what kind of, like – truck would you be looking at if you were running step deck freight heavy freight sometimes uh i go up to alaska like so i want the arctic package define Um, heavy freight give us your your highest gross that you think you would be pulling well probably the probably like 125,000 pounds is what i'm looking for okay out of a truck the pool so, but if you're looking time, at not consistent. right, 
If you're looking at something new, they have a new package coming out. It's, it's the iTorque Heavy Duty, I think is what they're going to call it. And it's made specifically for, for guys that are running the normal type duty cycle and then occasionally are going to jump out and do what you're doing at 125,000 pounds. So this is a, it's a 247 with a, with a 13 speed or the 14 speed optional. And it, it gives you lots of reduction for startability with the, with the heavy loads, and, but it also gives you um, plenty of, of low RPM potential at highway speeds in order to run your lighter loads very efficient as well. So that's that's where I would be looking. Obviously, with running Alaska, you're probably going to go straight up six by four full lockers and whatnot. But uh, um, that that's what I would probably be looking at is uh, the 247. I torque. Okay. Um, what I don't know, like, would it be worth adding double or full lockers in the truck that I have currently, or would I, or would that be really, really pricey because pretty hairy up here? I don't know for sure what it costs to add lockers. Here's what I can tell you: when you're when you're buying a Volvo, if you have Meritor, they only give you the option for lockers on one axle. Uh, Dana gives you the option for lockers on both axles, uh, so that's something to consider. Also, I know that Volvo's coming out with some new suspensions, and we're actually going to get some weight biasing uh, technology on 6x4 suspensions, so you can kick weight between the axles if you know, you're hung up and you're a little high-sided you can load up the the axle that's not hung up and put full traction to that. So that's going to be interesting as well. You know, if I was running Alaska on a regular basis, I would have the, the Dana axles with lockers on both. Uh, what it would cost to add, I don't know after the fact. I have no clue. Okay, and would it be worth to get the Arctic package equipped, or is that, is that something? Oh, I would, know? yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, okay. then... Yeah, the new truck has a lot better insulation than the, the prior trucks, and uh, I'm pretty sure they do have that that uh, Arctic package available on on the new one. There's a lot of a lot of different options that are going to be available, and I I've looked at the list and it's it's a mile long, so I can't remember everything obviously. But uh, I I think uh, with the new body style, I think you'd be real happy with that heavy duty I torque and and uh, full lockers on the front and the rear for the duty cycle you're doing okay is it uh okay that's good to know um do you know i guess i just talked to a guy out in salt lake there's a dealer out there i don't know if you know him he says he knows mm-hmm. you um yep and he said that he's going to be having some information on these new trucks soon um mm-hmm. his name is david smith so mm-hmm. uh, i guess i'll just go from there and find out when i know i don't know how much they're going to be but i'm assuming it's going to be up doing 200,000 especially if I'm going to get a truck equipped with a lot of stuff for like Arctic travel. Well, I would so. I, I would assume I mean we just heard that there was a Peterbilt for 259. So, you know, if if you could come in at at 210,000 and yeah. get 10 miles a gallon versus 6, I mean, <laughs> you're that, doing all right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, that's a, that's a no-brainer squared. Truck, so. Yeah. Yeah, and the truck cost me a lot of maintenance. <laughs> I think the last month and a half or the last two months i've spent like 10 grand in maintenance so it's getting to be it, the point where it's, it's like time. oh my i, I yeah. can't yep it's yeah. time all right um, we're we're gonna run we're gonna grab one more call and then we're gonna wrap this up for today uh we're gonna go to texas michael you get the final word 
Hi, how are you today? Good. Can we help you with? Well, I was been listening to you for several years, and I'm trying, thinking about getting uh, my own truck and starting my own business and wondering where you would uh, tell me to start. Um, have you signed up for the CMC yet? I'm sorry, signed up for what? The CMC. You going to be going to the Louisville Truck Show? No. You should. Okay. Uh, you know, if you're getting ready to start in business, I can't, and we're a month away from the show, so still enough time to plan for everything and, and get there. I, I can't imagine if I were in your position asking that question, skipping that truck show. There's so much going on there. I, I will be doing a day and a half seminar, and we only charge 100 bucks for this because we have a big sponsor that, that's covering the bills for us so we can do this inexpensive and the whole point of my day and a half is to show somebody how to buy their first truck and get started properly everything you could possibly want to know about this everything i can cover in a day and a half and then you'll have the opportunity this is going to become a year-long virtual program so every two weeks for an entire year, we'll be doing a, a webinar. Now, the, the year-long program is $1,000. The, the first day and a half is 100 bucks. Okay. You'll get to see what the whole big program is about. I can't possibly explain it all to you here because it's a year's worth of material. And you it would be like me. It's as close as you're going to ever get to me standing next to you and helping you with every decision you're going to make. And what truck show is this again? Uh, the Mid-America Truck Show in Louisville. Coming up uh, in, okay. like, I'm thinking like the 20th, 21st, somewhere right around there. Yeah, 21st would, through the 23rd. There we go. So the, the CMC will be the 20th, the day before the truck show starts, and then the morning of the truck show. And then you have three days to, to go through all of the other good stuff there is at the truck show. Okay, sounds good. And uh, I, like I said, I, I, there, there's one more thing you could add on to that if you really wanted me next to you, kind of holding your hand and, and helping you with every decision. I have a coaching, a group coaching program you can add to that that's $72 a month. And then you get four, four coaching calls a month where you can ask me any question you want, and I'll spend as much time helping you as I need. All right, sounds good. All right. That was an easy one. I have an answer for that. We, we have exactly the program you are looking for. And uh, um, Joel, think about that for a second. Henry, Alec, uh, you guys know the kind of material we talk about. It's the same kind of stuff we try to teach here. We just have a limited amount of time. Imagine the difference. And, and I don't want to pick on this guy, but I'm going to just a little bit. Um, clearly, he must be pretty new to the industry. I mean, if you're not aware of the Louisville truck show, sure. you're probably pretty new to the industry. So there's a lot this guy is not going to know, which, which is fine. That's not a problem. But if you're going to succeed in business, you would want to learn as much as you could. Think about the difference right now. If this guy just, there aren't really many resources to go find these kind of answers that he's looking for. I don't even know where you would go. Um, if he just decides... I'm just going to buy a truck and, and try this and see what happens. Or spend $1,100 to go through the program I just described. It, do you think it might make a little bit of a difference? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's, there's, there's that's a rhetorical no question. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's not. It, it's it, it, it's more than just giving him the tools to succeed. It's also giving him the wisdom of the mistakes to avoid. Absolutely. And that's a huge part of it as well. Uh, well so, Alec, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how accurate you are with that. The first part of everything I do is all about what mistakes not to make. It's not about what exactly to do. It's what, it's what not to do. Avoid most of those mistakes that people make, and you're already halfway there. Yeah, we discussed one pretty heavily this morning. Yes, absolutely. So it would seem to me like I should have no problem getting like a 1,000 people into this program. Yeah. You would yeah, think. Absolutely. <laughs> you would think, but you, you yeah, would think so. <laughs> yeah, it's it's never quite that yeah. easy. We have to market pretty heavy, and I, I'm always shocked by that. But well, you've never had a hard time selling out your CMCC. I mean, those are always gone early. They were. Um, yeah, when we were doing the live, you know, it, it ended up being a five-day event at the end. We were selling out every year, and we had to keep moving to bigger venues. Uh, and then it just got so big, we, we mm-hmm. weren't making any money anymore. That's the other challenge here. Um, I think, Kevin, I think one of, your, one of the things you're kind of working against here is, you know, we were in a marketplace where it was pretty damn easy to make money for a long time. Right. And yep. I think people just plain got lazy. What do I need to take a course for? What do I need to do this for? I don't need to do this. All I got to do is jump in a truck and drive. I'm going to be fine. If I work hard enough, I'm going to be fine. You You're know, that, exactly that's right. kind of the way it was for a while. Now with the downturn, um, I would suspect that people are really going to start to recognize the, the value that that you have to offer. Um, you know, now the new guys starting up, um, they may be hearing stories from, you know, a couple years back about how easy it is to be taking money <laughs> in trucking, and they may not understand the value that, that you're offering here, but yeah. it, it's clearly, clearly worth the money. I mean, for a, I can't think of any place you could possibly go for the kind of money um, that we're talking about here and, and get this type of information. Uh, I, you're virtually guaranteeing your success here. Pretty much. I, I'll you even know, modify your statement. And, and, I, I don't care how much money you've got. Where else could you go to get this information at any price? It, it just really it, it, it doesn't exist in a way that's been kind of formalized and, and put into place like this, no matter how much money you want to spend. Yeah, that's true. I, I think that's 100% true. Uh, it's just represents a very good value. Um, you're, you want to make smart business decisions. Here's a real smart business decision right off the right off the bat. You know, this sets the foundation for your business. Um, you know, we all know that if you don't have a strong foundation, your business is likely to crumble in the first downturn. Yeah. I, I've seen it a thousand times. It's it's why I have spent so much time and effort building the the groundwork or the foundation of, of my company. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, I. I've, I've just I've literally spent several years just building the foundation because you know look at some point my kids will probably end up with this and I want right. this to be to be rock solid and 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 built in a way that it's going to be almost self-sustaining I, you know that's not entirely possible but it's it all goes back to that foundation and and uh you know 
Alex been working really hard on the financial end of it, and and uh, so we're essentially doing all of the things that you're going to be talking about in your seminar. You know, we've been working at you know for the last couple of years just getting the foundation built and. Yep. I can't stress enough how important it is to build that solid foundation. If you don't build it, the the foundation right, everything you build on top of that's just it's it will crumble and fall uh, in in the first downturn. So take there the time and and do it right. There you go. Good stuff. Anybody else have any? Did, when did we lose Henry? Uh, he sent a message. He had to step out for oh. something a few minutes ago. So oh, I missed yeah. that. All right. Well, we're done for the day. Anybody have any final comments? I'm done. <laughs> I hope to see everybody <laughs> at <that>. out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I think it'll be a fun yeah. show. I, I, I think am... it's going to be good, Kevin. We'll get with you. We'll, we'll track you down and, and uh, whatever you uh, would care to have us do, we'll be... We'll be open to that. I'll, I'll make sure that that uh, we can make that happen. Yeah, try um, to leave me some some time on Thursday morning. Put that on the schedule, Alec. Are, are we scheduled Thursday morning yep. or anything? I don't don't think so. No. Oh, hey, I know I know something else. And again, I know you guys already have a crazy schedule, but I'll let you know about this because if you could join me, it'd be fun. Um, the f- so the only radio show I'm doing that week, I won't be live Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday because of travel and the CMC itself. But I am going to be live on Friday, our, our day for the show, and we'll be doing the show from the truck stop booth. And if you guys could come by and do the show with me, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely do that, too. We'll make sure that that happens. So that'll be, I know that one exactly. That'll be Friday morning at, we'll be in Louisville, so 11 o'clock. Does that sound right? Louisville's Eastern, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it. I think so. Yeah, so it should be Friday morning at 11 o'clock, our regular show time. We'll just be doing it from their booth. Perfect. All right. Yeah, I don't don't think we had anything planned for that that time slot either, did we? That'd be awesome. No, I've got yeah, that'd be Friday great. Friday afternoon, but uh, that, yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah, we'll be able to do both of those. We'll we'll do Thursday and Friday, so excellent. That'll work. All right, um, you guys have a great weekend. We will do this again next week. Thanks as always for all of your help. We'll see you back here on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.